Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Here it comes again, lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations, limited time only, plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of WrestleNomics Radio. Today is March 17th, 2018. I am your co-host, Christopher Mukigana Harrington, joined by my North by Northeast by Mr. Brandon Howard Thurston III. Brandon, how are you doing today? I'm great. It's uh, St. Patrick's Day. I'm not doing anything uh, to celebrate it, but uh, I'm here to, to talk about wrestling business. Yeah, wrestling business on WrestleNomics, the uh, premier source for wrestling and business analysis uh, from, yeah. I don't know what our whole pitch line is, but something like that. Yeah, we, right? We've been reworking that, but yeah. Yes. Um, how's your week been? Did you, uh, you got, you're going to wrestle tomorrow, right? Am I wrestling tomorrow? Oh, well, I'm, I'm going uh, to a show tomorrow. I don't know if I'm going to wrestle, and I have some training to do tomorrow also. We're doing My goodness, that. you're going to a lot of shows. You just said you booked some uh, WrestleMania tickets? You booked an all-in ticket? Well, I booked tickets for all-in aren't on sale yet, correct? We should know I don't that think they are, yeah. No, no, I'm, I'm 99% sure they're not. No, but I, not. I did book a... a f- I, I had a flight booked to New Orleans, and I changed it, so I'm going to be there for a longer amount of time. I think I'm going to get there on Wednesday night, and I will be there until the middle of Monday. So I'll be there. I have no tickets to any events. I did get a hotel. I got the cheapest hotel I could find near the airport. And uh, it's I've looked at it, and it's like a two-and-a-half-mile walk from the uh, the WN venue, so maybe I'll go to some of those events there. You're Would you walk too. the two and a half miles? Yeah. Or oh, I've already, Googled, Uber I've, already, or something? Nah, I've already Google mapped it. It's like a 50-minute walk. Five zero, not 15. Yeah, it's, all you have to like do is, is climb the retaining wall, go through the highway. Nah. and uh, I think I might have to walk over, walk through an, uh, an, uh, an overpass. 
But uh, no, walking is the best medicine, especially in the morning. It'll be, it'll be good. Interesting. Yes. I think I'm going to be there Thursday to Monday as well. Maybe we'll fly out together for all we know. Um, like I've said, I've, I've got tickets to a couple shows, to the WWN Super Show. Um, I've got tickets to the uh, Progress Show. I've got tickets to the, uh, the Wrestling Observer uh, uh, Q&A, which uh, if you could figure out a way to get there, I, I, I might have an extra ticket for you there even. Um, I can't remember if I bought two or one. It's kind of unclear. And, um, you know, and then for WrestleMania. tickets and you don't know if you've bought one or two tickets? I can't. It, it's because it's a brown bag event, like brown bag tickets. And it's it's unclear because it says like reserve seat two. And I don't know if that means I reserved two seats or if I reserved seat number two. All right, so, uh, so you're going to, to the WN Super Show and to Progress. Aren't you going to the WrestleCon Super Show with you? Oh, maybe that's the one I'm going to. Maybe it's you the WrestleCon. You don't even know if you're going to the WN or the, or the WrestleCon Super Show? <laughs> I'm going to whichever one has Abushi and Omega on it. That's WrestleCon. Um, WrestleCon, yeah. See, see, this show is like why – yeah, yeah. So I have tickets for it. So I'm, I'm, I, got, I got my tickets for it. So I, I'm excited about that. That's The only thing that, that is – frustrating is that yeah the progress show is all the way up by the airport at the other venue and the wwn or the WrestleCon. the WrestleCon shows are all really close to my hotel okay. so if i were to so choose one yeah i'm very close to there so it's it, it, the, the biggest challenge is actually going to be getting from the wrestling observer mailbag all the way out to progress and then all the way back yeah are we going to be recording wrestlenomics radio that weekend you know, now that I know for sure you're going to be there, um, we'll, we'll have to try to figure out something to do. Uh, yeah. I know people have said they would love to uh, see a, a live taping. I think it will – at this point, That'll the live taping – Yeah, I think the live taping will probably just be in the uh, hotel lobby of, of my hotel or your hotel. Right. I will pay for an Uber for you to uh, get get transported to our hotel. Well, maybe we'll do it um, like right on Bourbon Street or something. <laughs> yeah, that will go so well. We'll, I just, can we'll just do it on a bench on Bourbon Street. But yes, I will go ahead. I will plat. I will pack my blue yeti. I will uh, pack yeah, a laptop. Right. Yeah, I'm gonna, and, to, uh, I'm gonna pack my laptop. I'm sure. I'll try to get some writing done there. I was gonna say we've never we've never tried to do a uh, a two. Yeah. Mic so I've tried. Podcast. So I've tried to do. We've done like some ESW podcasts, and it's a nightmare. I'm gonna have to figure out. <laughs> tr- trying to like like I'm I'm so equipped to to do Skype recordings, but like doing a live. Yeah, we should recording, put it out. Yeah, we should put it on Twitter. Uh, who is coming to uh, WrestleMania weekend and planning on recording a live podcast? Who has and, a USB uh, audio mixer that we can borrow? You could shake them ropes or someone might be there. You never know. I, I think that's what we would need is like a USB audio mixer that we could then plug our microphones into and then plug the mixer into a computer, which would then record the audio. But but there might this be is riveting audio, audio for everyone listening yeah. for the yeah. WrestleMonics updates. <laughs> um, besides that, have you had an OK week? Uh, I think so. It's a yeah. It's been an average week. I've been, like I said. I've so I've also bought uh, plane tickets to go to Chicago. Uh, I'm all I'm all in, uh, and uh, so I'm planning on checking that out too. I think there'll be some other people I know from around here who will be going as well. So yeah, my buddy lives like 40 minutes away, and so I'm thinking about just staying with him if possible, and then driving in with him because it, it's he lives north of where it all is so it's it wouldn't even be staying in chicago or anything so we'll see mm-hmm. what happens but um and then it's close enough that i can drive or i could fly so how far of a drive go from st paul to, to chicago probably six hours six and a half maybe seven or eight but you know it's it, so it's not close but it's yeah. not like ridiculous it's like going to cleveland or something you can do it in a day you know? yeah 
you can easily do it in a day and if especially if I just take a day off work and want to drive. Um, but I don't mind flying. It's only an hour flight, you know, so it's really easy to fly. But then you don't have a car. So part of it, too, is if I drive, I'll have my own car and then I can, you know, deal with things a little bit more. Right. So we'll figure it out. But, yeah, that should be fun. So I will probably be there as well. I would really like to go. And, uh, you know, it's a good chance to bring my buddy to some pro wrestling. So that'll be that'll be a good time. Um, this week was was kind of up and down as as all my weeks have been for the last month here because on a Tuesday my wife lost her job oh. so that that stunk so you know we're trying to get that it was going to be her first day back since uh, she took time off to take the bar but then the bar had to be delayed and then to have the funeral and then the political run and all that so it's been up and down and up and down but on uh, the next day um, even though my improv company is is temporarily without a a, a normal gig I was doing a, a different improv gig uh, with strangers, so it's it's you know it's kind of like is if you're going to do a wrestling match, but you you have to be on a team with people you've never teamed with before. This is like you, so, you jump ship to another promotion. No, no, it was a it was a tournament I'd entered a couple weeks uh, uh, earlier, but the idea was that you you have to be teamed up with people you've never worked with before. Oh, so I got teamed up with two people, and then one of them dropped out last week because they got a new job, and so I got teamed up with yet another person. Mm-hmm. So it was it was very different, and so the three of us did our set, and we actually won our tournament round. So I was very surprised. Yes, yes. Is there a winner's very, purse for that? Well, you know, there's it goes down the line. So you know, this is just the round one. Then round two is next week, and then if I win round two, then I'll be in the finals. Well, how many if, people are in this, or how many teams are in this tournament? There is um, two brackets, and there's four teams on each bracket. So uh, it's 24 because there's three on a team. But, uh, yeah, you either you, – you get to perform twice because either you're going to be in round one and round two, or you're going to be in round one, and then you'll be in the finals in the loser bracket where they, they mash together all the teams and then kind of have one more show. So – so yes, so I'll be giving the weekly updates here of of my uh, progression, and there's even you you can actually vote by texting, but I am not going to uh, um, you, I, I'm not going to cheat the system yeah, by you putting tweet up spam. text numbers. You got here. those thousands of followers out there, get them to vote. Yeah, for I'm not gonna I'm not going to try to sway the the crowd here, but uh, I I just was saying if you are in Minneapolis and you're looking for a good show, head down to Huge Theater on Wednesday night. Check out Troika; should be fun. And in an update from last week. I've just tried to press the power button on my VCR. It has lit up. Oh, good. I was going to say thoughts and prayers for your VCR, as, as was tweeted out. Uh, we had quite a spill last week of, uh, I don't know, vegan kohlrabi powder or something, something all over. Something like that. I'm about to put All Japan January 28, 2001 Tokyo Dome Show uh, cassette into the VCR. Um, no, that's not the Akiyama match, is it? No, this is the Tokyo Dome Show they did just after the split um, ah. where they couldn't broadcast half of it because um there were new japan wrestlers on it or something mm, my goodness it seems to be playing i don't have it on an input that's good you know it's, i don't have it on a screen. <laughs> don't actually have the ability to watch but it's well it's not at the moment noise. no I, I could but we're doing a podcast right now and um, yeah the tape does seem to be rolling though the tape machines are good. rolling so well for those of you who are, are tired of banter banter is almost over yeah. um but uh anything else that we need to plug here on the start of the show, probably we should we should plug what we're going to talk about and then what we're going to be talking about on the patron version of the show. Yes. Uh, as as we often say, we have a Patreon. It's uh, p a t r e o n dot com slash WrestleNomics. Yeah. And every week, um, we've committed to giving ourselves bonus audio as much as we can. And this is where we discuss other topics that we don't even get to in the main show. You'd think with a two or three hour show that you get through everything, but you don't. And uh, we, we like to do kind of the deeper dive, sometimes the nerdier, the more um, 
uh, number centric things there. So we're going to talk about the ticket sales. We're going to talk about Mookie's trade trademark gazette. Yeah. Uh, we'll talk about political donations. What the Wrestling Observer Awards just came out, and uh, we're gonna we're gonna leave it on the Patreon section to talk a little bit more about what we learned on those awards. And then of course, um, some new streaming services, and then any other topics that we just run out of time for on the main show are definitely going to get bumped to the after show. Yeah. So that will be a, a good premium content uh, with some new stuff. And this week we're going to have a lot of feedback from some of our earlier shows. We want to thank everyone who's listening, including people we had no idea were listening. Whenever we make mistakes, that's the, that's the easiest way to get people to respond to you is just make a mistake on air. Yeah. And, um, and then if you don't know, we, do, we actually do two shows here then. We do a free one and a patron-only show. And I've, I've been thinking we should, like, we should brand these. We could probably come up with better names than free and patron. So if anyone has any yep. ideas, please let us know, and we will co- yeah, like color it. coordinate them appropriately. <laughs> but we'll talk, we'll talk on this show about um, a wrestling business conference that happened this week that uh, uh, I don't think was covered very deeply. Um, the whole Battle Royale situation going on, Battle Rumble, whatever you want to call it, uh, WrestleMania, uh, yeah, all the... Yeah, yep, all the, the, the YouTube allegations uh, involving steroid distribution and uh, some of that, some feedback from the shows. And then, of course, um, threatening letters and uh, the rights of journalists and the wrestling space. So it'll be a, a good show. I'm looking forward to it. Um, Brandon, did you and I both watch the WrestleMania 35 press conference? You know, we did. We did this morning. I watched uh, half of it live, and then I caught up on it this morning. And I think you watched it just now. At double, yeah, at yeah. Double speed, correct? At double speed, it's it's you know the only person I had to slow down was John Cena because he was talking in a, a goofy way, so I had to slow it down to make sure I could follow some of the things he was saying. But everybody else, it was uh, pretty easy to slow down. It's only about thirty minutes long. Um, it, it's like I say, all the stuff you can see the message that they're going for this year when you listen to conference after conference after conference, because you pick up on like, what are going to be the taglines? This was a press and conference to announce that WrestleMania 35 next year is going to be at MetLife stadium in East Rutherford, New Jersey, by the way. Yes. And, and they also made a reference to that. They would be spending quote four days at Barclays center. Yes. Um, and which, which I assume that hall of fame takeover Ross Smackdown. Yeah. They, they, they said it in such a way that they said four, four, Days of in-ring action, I think, is what he might have said. But I'm, I'm sure they just meant the Hall of Fame is part of the four days of in-event action, not just, you know, uh, having a, a display or something in the corner. Right. So, um, you know, I heard some other people kind of trying to be like, oh, well, they didn't announce NXT this year and they've always announced it. But no, they, they talked a lot about it in the press conference. They just didn't put it in their press release. You know, it's in-ring and Barrios uses this, too. And I think Vince does as well. But like in-ring is like their their forced hand euphemism for like, OK, this is the, the, the sentence where we should really be using the word wrestling, but we don't want to use the word wrestling. So we're going to say in-ring. <laughs> Yes, yes. It's because sports entertainment sounds probably a little even weirder for them to put in that. that well, because sort of thing. what they're trying to say is like, oh, there's going to be matches here. There's going to be wrestling here, but they don't want to say wrestling. And if they just say sports entertainment, that might not be specific enough to refer to what they're trying to refer to. So they say in ring. And also, I think the, the, the idea is that they're broadcasting it, right? So all in-ring content is being broadcast. You can watch it from another platform versus sports entertainment. You don't know whether it's being broadcast or not. Um, so the, the press conference was on a, um, a morning, I think at MetLife stadium, uh, because they talk about having lunch afterwards. Uh, it opens up with new day coming out and new day being new day esque. Um, you know, they promised to replace the statue of Liberty's torch with pancakes. 
Kofi twerked in front of everybody. Um, it was Friday afternoon, fr- Friday midday or so. Yeah. Um, and then we got John Sabor, uh, the EVP of special events. And John Sabor is a very powerful guy in WWE for all of you who are always lamenting that he, you know, that why is WrestleMania not coming to my town? It's John um, Sabor's fault. It is John Sabor's fault. How and, you know, as, oh, a while, number of years here. Um, I don't have that number at my fingertips. <laughs> Keep talking. I'll find his LinkedIn. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, he's, he's been going for, um, Let's see here. What does it say on his LinkedIn for a number of years? I see that he's five years senior president of special events for at least five years. Oh, it's since 2008, though, actually. So longer than five oh. years, almost 10 years okay. and um, maybe even longer, to be honest. Um, that's just when he's got that title of senior vice president. And I don't know when he was hired by the company. But, um, yeah, he's he's a uh, he's an important guy when it comes to uh basically making the decisions of where they're going to go for the big events for the big, you know, SummerSlam and, and, uh, Royal Rumble and, and some of these international events that so might think be he's, big. He's the one who's really handling these big four events that have emerged as not just being big four pay-per-views anymore, but it, but turning into big four weekends. Yes. Yeah. And I think he's the one that, you know, kind of wants to work with tax commissions to figure out how much money they can benefit from. I, I imagine he's the one that also try to works with the uh, consulting firms to come up with a hundred million dollars of economic impact or whatever the number they're going to say right. each time after it's done. Over a you know. billion dollars in the last five years or something was the figure that they threw out. In this yeah. So, so, so my, my idea is that he's probably very much involved in all of that kind of the, not the book, the arena month to month type stuff, but whenever you're going to basically be forcing people to fight for it. And trying to get people to fight for it. You know, I'm sure he's flying around and talking to officials at these things and trying to play up everything. Um, But it was interesting to see him. He's a guy that you don't see a lot of, but is a a good example of kind of another one of these figures behind the scene that plays a big, big role in um, executing on their strategy. And you could say, you know, again, like I've said before, you know, there's these unsung heroes for WWE history when it comes to who would be in the Hall of Fame. Right. And you could argue that the guy that basically has brought WrestleMania and made City start bidding for it and, and made them this much money, he probably deserves a ton of credit for basically exploding this entire idea for them. Yeah. So um, we had Sheila Oliver, who is the lieutenant governor of New Jersey, I, basically I come out. I just want to add, like, I think that's these weekends here are something that's i don't know i think it's interesting that you know nxt takeover used to be you know a a a show that had to happen in front of 400 people in a tv studio and now it's something that can draw thousands of people and he's i guess one of the guys who's helping make that happen yeah yeah and i think you know they they did not originally envision that but i think when they realized that they could sell out the san jose center and that was a big draw that weekend for WrestleMania. Then they went on and they said, okay, let's do Barclays, I think was the next year. And then that really did well. And then they thought, oh, my gosh, we, we have lightning in a bottle here. It's, it's this phenomenon of the, of the traveling wrestling fan who will travel to a city, you know, whether I mean, it all started with WrestleMania, obviously, right, where you'd have a bunch of traveling fans from around the world traveling in. And then all these other shows could piggyback off of it. And WWE realized we should piggyback off our own, you know, off our own draw here, too, as well. Well, but I think their concern originally was who knows NXT stars well enough. They're not on television, really. Yeah. So can we really sell out 10,000 seats? I mean, we, we talk about, you know, can all in do it? And then you, if you really think back, you're like, there was a time we didn't think NXT could do it. That's true. 
and then, and then they did they did it as quickly as the first takeover in, in Brooklyn, right, with uh, Sasha and Bailey. There's like, oh, I I don't oh. remember the size of the, that they sold at that time, but yeah, it was a huge huge well, thing for Bar- them. Barclays will hold about thirteen thousand for a WWE show, and I think it it sold out, right, because that's that's the show that the following years takeover, which I was at, they uh. Scal- yeah, they did scalpers 50- overbought because they o- yeah. overbought because last year was such a hot ticket. I think you're right. It's, the, the attendance on Wikipedia is almost fifteen thousand for both of them. Um, you know, reality number. You know, yeah, a reality is below that, but it's well over ten thousand. Mm-hmm. And you know, if we're trying to think about the the chronicum of companies that have been able to draw more than ten thousand fans, like we talked about on, yeah, we we talked about AAA in the past in the nineties, yeah. Yeah, it will be it will be very intriguing. Uh, Sheila Oliver, the lieutenant governor of New Jersey, basically came out and gave the speech to say the official announcement is Sunday, April seventh, twenty nineteen. We will be having WrestleMania thirty five at the MetLife Stadium. And she mentioned um, that WrestleMania, I think it's twenty nine, the last one at MetLife, right? Eighty thousand people, which she must be repeating a uh, enhanced number there. Yeah, yeah. Stephanie McMahon, the chief brand officer, came out and gave her, you know, we're just down the street from Madison Square Garden, which had a near capacity crowd of 20,000. We had 80,000 people at the last one. Forbes said WrestleMania is one of the 10 most valuable brands. We'll have fans coming from 50 states and 50 countries, and we're going to be partnering with the Boys and Girls Clubs of America. And then, of course, what did you want to talk about? What do you always talk about when you're Stephanie McMahon? You want to talk about your history with this company? I think she was talking about being at the first WrestleMania, and yep. uh, Andre uh, Rusinov was there, and AKA my friend Andre the Giant was there. And yeah, uh, eight-year-old me, she said. Eight-year-old me was cheering on my friend Andre the Giant. And and for me, when I watch these things, um, the Business Partner Summit is so carefully scripted. They they have such a you know I'm going to say this line I'm going to say this line this person's going to come out this video package is going to play, this was not the same way. While people had speeches, they actually felt genuine for the first time in a long time hearing people talk, and on top of that, it they didn't overdo it with the video packages they didn't overdo it with the multimedia, um, and they kept it light. And I have to say I thought this was one of the best um, WWE press conferences I've seen in a long long time. Um, and I even thought Stephanie was very sincere in in her talking, you know, when she talked about um, her grandfather and that he never had a chance to see WrestleMania and and just the way that she phrased it there, I thought was really interesting. Uh, you, you you took the notes on this. What did, what did she say? She said that Vince J. McMahon, Vince Sr. said said to Vince Jr., don't rock the boat, Vinny. Why you always got to rock the boat? My grandfather was telling my dad not to rock the boat, but he capsized it. She, as she's referring to WrestleMania one, um, yeah, I, I find it. You, th- you think that converse, a conversation like that actually happened? I find that hard to believe. Um, I, I do think that you know, there's always been this question about did Vince McMahon Senior know what Vince McMahon Junior had in had in play, and I think some of the people have liked to pretend that Vince McMahon Senior was ignorant of what Vince McMahon Jr. was going to do, and other people have been like, no, he absolutely knew what what Vince Junior was going to do, and he you know, more or less tacitly supported him for years and years to, you know, kind of put him in a position where he could do this. Um, I think everyone would say that Vince McMahon Jr. had more grandeur and grandiose ideas and possibly was not as afraid of of burning bridges the way that Vince McMahon Sr. might have been. But um, I I think... Vince Sr. died May 24, 1984. 
Yeah. So, I mean, he would have been around. WrestleMania 1 happens in March 1985, by the way. Yeah, but, I mean, he would have been around for the kind of the Mm -hmm. seeds planting, and he would have been around for, you know, kind of seeing, can we rebuild this business with Hogan, and can we, you know, begin destroying the territory system and do talent raids and go to television companies and basically, or stations, and basically agree to pay them. There's supposed to be this Vince McMahon movie coming out eventually, right? Like, I think you could, you know... Pandemonium! Right. I think you could probably do a do a movie maybe just on the last couple of years of Vince Senior's life and like what was his relationship with Vince Junior at that time and what did he really think of all this? Yeah, yeah. If you could I think talk to the right people and actually get the story. Yeah, I, I think a bio of Vince McMahon Senior is is overdue. I think it would be a very interesting one because he's someone who vacillates between being close to the NWA and being apart from it. Being the Northeast promoter, having these relationships with the Japanese companies, and if you're self glorifying um, WWE, you could even end a movie like that with with it, it, the the conclusion, the, the dramatic climax is WrestleMania one and how it's a big success and all oh, everything's great. So, well, I mean, you can also argue that the entire story of the McMahon family is fighting the patriarchy and embracing the patriarchy is like this constant daddy issues like storyline playing out in the form of of the McMahon family, where you know you're you're fighting with Vince or you're fighting with Vince's dad because he said you can't do this and then Shane fighting with his dad and Stephanie and Triple H and it just goes on and on you know it, we, it, we, to me we may it, get to that in another story coming up here that is true um, so then John Sabor came back out after this and he, he of course says Stephanie's part of the team that puts smiles on faces around the globe if you're watching a WWE press conference the phrase put smiles on faces Drink. is going to is going to be the drinking word exactly. That's that is the to me that's going to be in the marketing message for this year. Continuing on, they're big about that one. Uh, he goes through and he thanks all the people that are there: the co-owner of the Giants, the co the president of the New York Jets, the president of the New Jersey Sports and Exposition Authority, yeah. the president of the Meadowlands Chamber of Commerce, the president of MetLife Stadium. I'm A very lot excited. Of millionaires in the ring or in the, in yeah. the room. Oh, I think they're more than millionaires. I think a couple of like if you're the co-owner of the Giants, you're probably a billionaire. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, what was interesting was that president of the New York, New Jersey Sports and Exposition Authority, because a couple months ago I published a um, a thing that I was like, oh, this was this was released by like the New Jersey Star Gazette, and no one really paid attention to it at the time. But it was like all of the booking contracts that had gone through the New Jersey Sports and Exposition Authority, I think. About, you know, basically how much was everybody paid? What was the real attendance at the arena? How much did we have to pay the people on the back end? It was kind of all the attendance stuff. And I went through and I found all the SmackDown and Raw tapings. For New Jersey. Or, yeah, for New Jersey. It was it was from uh, – the, the newspaper had to sue for a freedom of information thing and it took years and years for it to be resolved. You found gate and then went from New York from the Athletic Commission recently, but this is a separate issue. This is totally separate from the the New York thing. This was New Jersey because New Jersey had this like quasi public private thing. And basically they used the argument to say, well, if it's a public thing, we have to be able to get freedom of information records from you. And they very much didn't want to give it up because they had basically what the booking contracts were for everybody. How much are you going to pay them? So you could find out, oh, Usher got paid this many dollars to go to this arena and this is what the attendance was and this is what the merch was. Mm-hmm. And so I tweeted out a whole bunch of like um, New Jersey uh, uh, docs related to that. And um, I'm I'm trying to find if I can remember where I put them. I know they're in the pro wrestling legal research and preservation group somewhere. 
um, let's see, maybe in the government folder, I'm guessing. And then if I go to, no, I don't see it in that. Athletic commissions, maybe? I might have put it in there. Nope, that I have California, Nevada, New York, and Pennsylvania stuff, but I don't have New Jersey. Um, I also have a, a thing about the New Jersey extreme wrestling bill that was in the early uh, 2000s that they tried to pass. That was pretty funny. Yeah. Uh, but again, that is not what I'm looking for here. Um, I will have to, to search for that as, as I'm talking. Why don't you take us through the next section of this press conference, which was when um, really, Paul John Zeck started, right? Yeah, he, he got introduced, and then um, he's basically like, this man wears a lot of hats. Here's Paul Levesque. Yeah. Paul Triple H Lovebeck, as he called him. And he started talking about how amazing WrestleMania is and how his first experience of WrestleMania was at WrestleMania 11, which he didn't wrestle at, right? He, his first WrestleMania that he would have wrestled at was 12, where he has that you know, horrible story with the, with the Ultimate Warrior, right? But, yeah, but I think he's, but he he's saying that he was backstage yeah. is, is oh, yeah. technically what he said. I remember sitting backstage and watching this with Diesel and, and Shawn Michaels. Shawn Michaels and, and all the amazing performers. And I was completely br- blown away. I wrestled Brock Lesnar here five years ago. He's talking about MetLife Stadium, where they had that match at WrestleMania 29. And W has grown. This year alone, we've done over 560 events. That's more than 10 per week, and that's a lot of smiles on people's faces. Um, he mentioned I did that. find my, my thing. It's all the IZOD Center and the Continental Arena um, thing, all just basically where they went between t- 2007 and 2011. All of those records, the booking contract, how much they'd get paid for, all that stuff. I found it finally. So maybe I'll retweet one of them here. They're, they're, but it's pretty interesting because you can see the actual attendance. Anyhow. And Triple H puts over his prestigious performance center, and he wants you to know a little-known fact. The performance center was inspired by a visit to Quest Diagnostics Center, which is a which is the New York Giants practice field. And I was I was, you know maybe not paying 100% attention when he first when he said that and I was like the performance center was inspired by a visit to Quest Diagnostics but I've heard that uh, yeah well listen you were having a blood test I'm like wait a minute no no I was going to say yeah I I did try to google this as well I tried to google Quest Diagnostics and I kept coming up with these right. medical centers right right cuz that's where that's where I've, I've you know you go go to get blood work done and you can get drug tests done at Quest Diagnostics there's True. various locations throughout the country Probably nearby uh, any, anybody who's listening in the United States. Good sponsor for the show. Yeah. If you need blood work done, if you need any uh, labs done. But yeah, I've, 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 I have heard him make this claim before that they, they, they basically looked at some of the football performance centers yeah, yeah. and said, we want to develop something where we could start training athletes in a similar location. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's inspired by, you know, a professional sports training center. I get it. Uh, they have the largest and most diverse roster in WWE history right now, and he even mentioned that you know it's it's because of we the, it's because we have all this talent that we're able to do two separate brands, which I think there's a lot of truth to. Like uh, truth, but you you could also argue they had two separate brands in the year two thousand and one, right? Uh, but I don't think or two thousand two, whatever it was. <laughs> exactly, but I don't think they had. Well, I guess they kind of did because they were just following the WCW uh, sale, right? But they didn't I know, have and a lot of that is, talent at first. Right? Yeah, they didn't have the the the, the mar- marquee talent like Hogan and Flair and things like that. They got Flair eventually. They didn't have Goldberg and people like that or Sting. But you could also argue they don't have that talent now. I mean, every no, one of those names you just have, named is a bigger star than Roman Reigns. Is a bigger star than than um, Braun Strowman. Yes, you know. But I think they have a deeper 
depth of, of talent. They have more talented wrestlers now than they've ever had. I think. Yeah, well, it, it depends on how you want to deal with that that XWCW ECW talent. They had a lot of good talent that right. was already at the end of their career at that point. You know, right. that talent if they had. But I would also point out who's one of their biggest stars that they have. Brock Lesnar. How did they get Brock Lesnar through their old system? They didn't get Brock Lesnar through the Performance Center. They got Brock Lesnar through basically scouting at NCAA, giving him a, I think, quarter of a million dollar contract to go to Louisville and then training him and bringing him up. So it's easy to play the the role of of historian that is going to recast history. But, you know, the fact that they used to have a giant brand of different people, you could also argue – Wow, how did all those wrestlers? How did we support having two brands in the old days, and have all these wrestlers if we didn't have a performance center? And the answer is, well, we had lots of places we could train people because there was other companies in the world, and there was other, you know, training places in the world, and it it, it wasn't a disaster. Now, do they have more Japanese talent than they probably ever had for WWE? I would say almost indefinitely yes. Do they have more um, Middle Eastern talent? Absolutely. They never had, you know, an interest in, in hiring people from that area. Do they have more Latin American talent? I don't know. I don't know. Um, WWE's gone back and forth over the years on that. But they have, they uh, have WCW more, certainly had more. They have more small and mid-sized wrestlers who are really good performers. Yeah. I think the, the, the ability of people today is incredibly high. I would just say, you know, every generation adapts to the expectations of that generation. Definitely. You know, you, you can't judge a 1980s WWF match with today's eyes and say, well, this is a bad worker or a good worker. If it was working for what they did at the time, there's a lot to be said for they were producing what they needed to produce. Yeah. And the model was very different, right? It was a very much a live events model versus today where it's very much a big events model. Yeah, it's well, it's a, it's a TV rights model and it's, uh, it's, it's way different than it was back in yeah. the day. Um, but they, they, they talk about, you know, he, he did push the Barclays Center a lot, Triple H this is, and he said it feels like home for NXT, and he talked about the Sasha Bailey match, and he talked about the Abu Dhabi match, and, you know, he actually even seemed like he was getting broken up here. Yeah. Uh, he where was. he was just saying, you know, they, they were chanting, there is hope at us as we did this. And uh, like I say, I felt that this felt more genuine than almost any other business conference I've seen them do in a long time. And uh, I, I was impressed by that. Like I, I and, and, and Steph was emotional too, talking about the history yeah. of her family and WrestleMania and all that. Yeah, and and For what it's worth. And it's also worth saying Vince McMahon was not there. He he did not show his face once in this crowd. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's I very think that's much what he wants to do. I mean, think about the things he said at the the uh, XFL press conference where he said, "This is maybe the last time you're going to see me out front." And I think he was referring to the XFL project. But I think that's his. His deal now. He wants to not be out in front a lot because maybe he knows his time in the company is, isn't. Uh, he hasn't got that much time, and there's a lot of uh, other younger people who have got to take over the reins. So he wants to give them that spot. And get you're very familiar. you're you're very magnanimous here. This is very unlike Brandon Howard, Thurston. Because I, I thought I was just thinking he can't read very well off a script. And so <laughs> Vince McMahon doesn't like to be videotaped when he has to give a speech and he has to say certain words and make it clear that he has trouble reading. Is that true? I'm I don't know. I, I he remember um, McMahon's Analyst millions. McMahon has trouble reading. So well, let's let's go back to the video of McMahon millions. Remember when he had to dial phones and look at cards and whatnot? 
he was not able to do that. Yeah. Well, I, I remember the rumors a couple of years ago, I think around WrestleMania 31. Yeah. Right, I'm he... not saying that. I'm not saying Vince McMahon is blind. I am absolutely not making that claim. I'm making the claim that a 70-year-old man might have trouble reading a teleprompter and is not the type of person that seems to like to give a speech where someone else has written words for him. Just a large font. Yeah. But either way, I thought it was interesting that there's no George or Michelle there. I would have thought that if you're not going to have Vince McMahon, then you should have one of the co-presidents of WWE appearing. And so I thought it was interesting that John Sabora was basically given the whole rub of he's the important guy. He's the guy that's going to acknowledge everyone. He's the guy that's been hobnobbing all these people, which, you know, speaks to the fact that he's got a very different role than some of these other people. And so he's in charge of the WrestleMania bid and George and Michelle might be more in charge of making sure the TV people are happy. And, you know, Triple H is in charge of making sure that the, uh, the super athletes that they're trying to court are happy and so forth. So I I think George and Michelle have a lot to do with business partners and the network. Yeah. So I was just really surprised not to see either of them there, especially because they were in, in New Jersey, which is, you know, that's not far from their stomping grounds. Right. Uh, so that was just intriguing. Um, he he segued into talking about Ronda Rousey and, you know, just kind of putting her over saying, you know, she had entire divisions created for her, but she's a lifelong WWE fan. You can hear, you know, we want to make sure that she's not going to get this negative backlash because we want people to think that she loves this. And then he kind of unkayfabed himself when he said, I hope she doesn't hurt me or my wife in a few weeks at WrestleMania. Um you know, it was kind of one of these like, oh, you're 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 trying to play up the I'm an executive, but I do some wrestling on the side. But she's a real legit badass, and it was it was a weird thing. Like, I think you know, trying that, to strike a balance of like, I, I guess you could, I guess you could have had somebody else introduce her, which maybe they yeah, should it, have. Well, I, it, but it's clear that he is he personally was involved with recruiting her. Yeah. At least the storyline they pushed here is very strongly. He was the one who said, we should get her. We should pay her this amount of money. I've been personally involved in negotiating this contract and I'm flying out to see it. You know, like it seems very much like he this was a project that he was selling and I'm sure it had an enormous financial cost. And if you're going to break the bank, then you have to be able to be the guy to stand behind it and say, I did this for a reason. Um, so I think he sees it as part of his legacy is getting Rhonda into the company. And then it was interesting. She comes out and then immediately she, they shake hands and then she steps to the side and does a stare down with him. Like, let's, let's, and, let's do a stare down. Like it's a UFC fight. Yeah. And then she like goes back to the mic and goes, that was real. Wasn't it? <laughs> Did you catch that? I think so. Yeah. And, uh, she, she, she hates well, well, it's funny because Rhonda has a rep of hating to do media, right? That's her 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 UFC tag was that she hated promoting fights. She hated talking to – taking questions from the media. She hated you know, getting up and, and going and talking to people. And so Especially as charis- – losses, right? Yeah. As charismatic as she is, she, she has a very strange energy when she goes to these events. And so it was clear that she kind of had a speech, but at the same time, she was very – um, the speech she, was very she, short. Yeah, it was very short. And if you told me off camera someone was like, you know, threatening her, I would also kind of agree because she didn't look. No. She maybe she just doesn't like public speaking. Is what I'm really taking out of it is that it's funny for an actor to be that way, but I, I can kind of get it on a certain level. But she she said, you know, words can't express my gratitude. Uh, gratitude. I wrote gratification, but I meant gratitude today. Looking back, it's easy to see how this wasn't an accident being here. I'm destined to be part of this team and join the women's. I couldn't tell if she said revolution or evolution. 
Um, and then it's lots of efforts in our industry. And then she starts kind of naming people in the front row, including Alexa and Naya. And then she goes, it will be an absolute honor to represent Roddy Roddy Piper, just who is just down the street from where he headlined in MSG. And mark my words, this is just the beginning. Thank you. So when I talk it was about a very- insulting wrestling fans intelligence, I think there's markers of it all over that. Um, really? Yeah. I didn't find it to be that bad. It, I, I, I might be. Uh, I was destined to, to be a part of this team and join the women's revolution. I, I understand she's talking part of the kayfabe there, but like, why don't you just? I, I guess this is a, not a. I guess this is a shoot interview and not a worked interview, right? But like, I'm not supposed to be consuming this as a as a scripted audience member. But like, don't you want to come in here and win and, and, and do great things? But no, you want to come here to be a part of the team to join the women's revolution and like the the carefulness of oh hey having to put over the other wrestlers which doesn't come off very genuine or sincere to me and then it'll be an absolute honor to represent roddy 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 piper because we have to like and she's she's this big fan too right like and and this is all within the context of if you watch the tv lately of everybody looking at the sign and pointing at the sign and talking about how important it is to wrestle at wrestlemania and what an honor it is to to be a uh, included in the WWE universe and, and all this stuff. It's just uh. Well, I think Dave would say what's weird about this is to say she herself in some ways started the revolution in UFC for a women's division, her and Gina Carano and people like that to make that a viable thing. And then she became a mega star, a mega draw. And then WWE kind of was late to the boat to say, oh, we can do this. Yeah. We We just have to change the way we present it. And we have to, you know, uh, uh, evolve in how we do it. And I did think it was funny that she said, you know, Naya and Alexa, and she didn't mention Nikki, who was sitting in the front row there. Maybe she did say Nikki, but she did. She definitely didn't start off with that. And so it's also that element of like, you know, the 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 boundary between both those things. Now, for her, maybe she does see this as a little bit of fate to say, I was in fighting. I was a huge star in fighting. I started to lose in fighting, and I didn't know what to do with my life and my career. And I could go two different directions. I could retire as an athlete, something I'd done my entire life, you know, all the way from the Olympics and having a, a, a pedigree of, of parents that were Olympians through I could go be an actor. I could go be a television personality because she could easily go be a, a, a television personality. Um, I could even be a model. You know, she, she's she's proven that she's done that for Sports Illustrated and other things. But. I'm going back to being an athlete here and I found another venue I can go be an athlete in and I can go express my love for pro wrestling and be part of this world. And I do think that there's some kind of, you know, resolution of your soul searching, which is for me, I've I've lost jobs, I've gotten jobs, and there's times when I'm like, I don't get my career track. I don't understand how I ended up where I am. And then there's times I'll look back and say, Oh my gosh, look at all these events that help get me to where I am and I was destined to be here. And, you know, sometimes I feel good about that. Sometimes I don't. And I could see, you know, so maybe it's just me projecting on her in this situation. But I can understand why someone who's coming off of you were the biggest draw in UFC at the time and you started to lose and you've decided to continue a a path where you're going to be an athlete, not a path where you're going to be a personality. So that was that was Ronda Rousey's thing. Again, I would say the most interesting thing to me was them doing the kind of tiny little work shoot in the beginning where Ronda goes head to head with with Triple H and kind of stared him down. And I I I think I thought it was really clever actually. I thought that was really nice the way that they were able to kind of continue to blend that reality and kayfabe yeah. to 
just push it enough so that he wasn't necessarily, you know, ignoring the fact they're going to wrestle, which I always thought was weird because it's always that idea of saying, if these people really hate each other, how can you get them to do a press conference together? Even if boxing and UFC and people do that, you know, you, you always have this idea of if I hit you with my car and then took a sledgehammer and beat you in the face, we shouldn't be able to just go stand across from a table from each other. Right. And uh, Triple H is punching out the uh, Kurt Angle and Ronda Rousey Samoan dropping uh, his wife. Yeah. It was a very technical judo move. She identified it on on uh, Twitter. Yeah. How yeah. dare you call it a Samoan drop? Yeah. Um, I, I think that there's going to be a, a time shortly after WrestleMania where if she's going to continue to be around, she's going to have to be a heel. And I think this is—I don't, I don't think this is ever going to happen. But I think she has to be a—I think she would be best used as a heel who's like, I don't care what you, the rest of you, of you have done in WWE. I've, I've done bigger and better things. I've been a UFC champion. I'm a better so be fighter Brock than Lesnar all of you. is what you're saying. Is that what, yeah? I guess that's kind of how Brock Lesnar is used, right? But yeah, I think that's where she needs to be. I don't—I don't think she's a natural babyface. I think she's a natural heel. Well, it's funny you say that because she was such a natural babyface in in UFC. Was she? But. Well, she was, but people would always say behind the scenes, people felt the opposite. That it was one of these things where she's this charismatic thing and people love her. And then you have this other group of people who are like, you don't know the half of it, how difficult it is to be around and be, work with this person. I guess I think, and, but, but there's still like, okay, we could say the same thing about Brock Lesnar in terms of, oh, Brock Lesnar's a natural heel, certainly more than he's a natural baby face. But the, the, I think the way the fans engage with Brock Lesnar now, given his spot on the card and the perception of, that people have of him as a star is that people like Brock Lesnar uh, because of just the personality or the aura that he exudes, not so much about the, uh, you know, the, the, the surface-level face-or-heel alignment. And I think you could have a very similar situation with Rousey if, if it was done correctly. I, I think the challenge with Brock is that he was primarily a wrestler, right? He was an NCAA wrestler. He became a professional wrestler. Then he went to go be a fighter. Then he came back to wrestling. Then he did some more fighting. Then he came back to wrestling. And so he, he still in his heart seems like a pro wrestler, right? He seems like a pro wrestler who's badass enough to go be a fighter mm-hmm. um, versus Ra- Rousey, who you'd be like, no, she's someone who's coming into wrestling and she's coming in from a different world. And she can be as passionate about this as she wants, but I mean, she's coming a in. Great from... heel dynamic there. I think, like, as far as oh, I, I, if this I think she's going to do great. I think if this company ever wanted to identify itself as wrestling and and a place where wrestling fans can come together, which they never will, not in Vince McMahon's lifetime, have her come out there and be like pro wrestling. I don't care. I'm I'm a, I'm a UFC fighter. I'm a judo fighter, and I'm better than all of you. It's a superior discipline. Well, I mean, the fact that Jean LaBelle was like her, you know, pseudo coach for the, so many years just tells you everything about her about about the opportunities there he he did complete pro wrestling shtick as a former pro wrestler and judo star and it was incredible and so i i do think you still have that opportunity there to you get her a gene labelle-esque manager and you can blow it blow the the doors off um you know you'll, you'll do incredible business so let, let's talk a little bit about the rest of this conference just to get through it all. Um, John Sabor comes out again. He thinks the president of NYC oh and company. Yeah. Uh, he talks about the fourth consecutive SummerSlam in Brooklyn. He talks about the four nights of amazing in-ring action. Um, so he, if for anyone curious, yes, they're going to do NXT in Barclays. It is, it's part of this. Um, the guy who runs Barclays, the CEO, which uh, technically the name of the, the company is Brooklyn Sports and Entertainment. And he talks about how they've done 21 events in the building since they opened it. They always, quote, bring smiles. 
Do you remember, and we look what forward. are they committed to as far as uh, SummerSlam weekend in Brooklyn? They're doing it this year. Are they doing it in 2019? I think so. I don't know. So they're going to do I don't know. takeovers in Barclays Center in 2019? That would be... Oh, do, do, do. Let's see if SummerSlam 2019 has even been announced. Um, nope, nope. There's actually a little article um, set, talking about how because WrestleMania is there, it's probably they're probably not going to... Uh, they probably are going to move it out. I think you're exactly right. In fact, we don't know where even SummerSlam this year is. Are you sure about that? I... Mm. Well, it's oh, you know, you're you're absolutely right. We do know where it is. I was looking at the TBD. I was looking at was what what is the main event going to be, not what the uh, location is going to be. Yeah, and you're right. It used to be in the Staples Center for years and years. So I wouldn't be surprised if they just went back to the Staples Center with it. Mm-hmm. Um, just knowing that you know, L.A. and Brooklyn. Uh, seem to be big deals for them. Uh, we talked about that clustering survey the other day, or clustering uh, dynamics that um, uh, Brandon did. Not you, Brandon, not but me. but uh, smart Brandon. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> not, no, I'm joking. Not, not dumb Brandon. No, not dumb Brandon. You're not a dumb Brandon. Just really smart Brandon is what I'll, I'll put it as. Stat, stat Brandon. Slightly. He did about the, the clustering for events, and he was talking about which events – which places are worth the most dollars and you know la and and new york unsurprisingly are worth enormous dollars for wwe ring events um so i wouldn't be surprised if it goes back to la is what i'm trying to say with all that yeah. uh john sabor uh introduces the front row of people he introduces nikki bella nia Jax, alexa bliss apollo so apollo's lost his last name which i, I think we knew from tv but i just uh, amused that he's on top of it mm-hmm. titus o'neill and then braun Strowman was there and for the life of me, I never knew Braun was there because they shot it in such a way that you couldn't see Braun at all. He was on the end of the bro. Yeah. And I know Braun's not the tallest guy. Like Braun is a big, beefy guy. But actually, like some other – when he was in the Wyatt family, I think Rowan and Harper might have even been taller than him. Really? Uh, and so that – yeah, yeah. They used to they used to kind of position them strategically in the back to not make Braun look short. He's billed as 6'8". Um, yeah, I think I think that might be a uh, <laughs> I think that might have been hanging from the rafters uh, exaggerations going on. And Rowan's build build is six eight, Harper is six five. Yeah. yeah. So um, they also think some friends from the Giants and the Jets, and they show two guys in the front row, and I have no idea who they are. So, uh, but they look like players of some sort. Um, and then they introduce Cena, and they name a bunch of films that he's in. And they, of course, immediately say, well, he was in Ferdinand, he was in Trainwreck, he's going to be in this new film, Blockers. And all I could think is, those are all not WWE studio films. And just like how John Cena is this big star, but really, ever since The Marine, he's moved on to other studios, other people, and that's where he makes his stardom. You know? Well, I guess they wanted to talk about movies that people had actually seen. I know, that's my point. I'm just like, it's kind of funny that you have the biggest star in your com- company, you know, really under your contract, and yet you can't use him in your studio stuff because you're actually putting it. He wants to be in the good stuff. Mm-hmm. I, I think they maybe see an, a marketing opportunity there of like, who is that guy in, in this movie that I'm watching? Oh, that's the wrestler guy. Okay, like, I think there's a. a well, I'm sure he also there. works. He, I'm sure he has a very good talent agency. I'm sure he probably works for WMA or whatever, um, WME uh, and other people, and they have you know just like The Rock. They realized that that being in wrestling movies was a kiss of death and you have to have some kind of active leadership in your in your agent's vision. And, you know, the, the Rock talks a ton about that, about, you know, how he got really off track for years and years in his movie career. I think the Rock and he kind of in the Screen Actors Guild. 
Absolutely. No doubt about it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I wonder how they're enjoying that. They love it. <laughs> um, so it's funny. So Cena comes out, and Cena's the first guy that you, you feel like Cena Cena always comes to these things, and I always feel like he does the best job of giving the speech that doesn't sound like it's been written out for him in advance. He's in a plaid suit. Not in He's Cena in his here. he's in his his crazy plaid suit that I've seen him wear a few times. Um, but he, he starts off, he goes, quick scan for the kids so I can tell them Blockers is not a film for them. Nope, Room of Adults. Go see it a hundred times. So and a room full like, of millionaires, so you're fine. Yeah, I thought, I was like, wow, this guy, you, you just, every time you see Cena give a talk, you're just like, good God, he's charismatic. Good God, he's good at this. Yeah. Um, and he's, he's like, I was told to use my time to explain to you what WrestleMania means to me. I'm fortunate enough to be a part of a lot of WrestleManias. And then he, he kind of goes through his little timeline speech yeah. of, you know, he, he gives a good speech. He gives a speech where someone said, I want you to write a little speech about this. And though he gives it, he's like, well, you know, when I started, I worried I did I have the skills to belong. And then I was a, an angry young man. I was trash talking challenge for a title. And then five years ago, I was challenging The Rock right here in New Jersey. And then, you know, one year ago was the moment of my life greatest moment of my life and he gets into you know wrestlemania means to me it's my life every year i give everything i had to wwe wrestlemania and it's a stage for that angry young man to present himself however damn well he'd like to please and then he's he calls uh nikki bell up and goes nicole can you come up here for a second and then he puts her next to him and he's like this is what we call in the in the calling business of visual aid and then what does it mean to me everything i know i i I will be there and I will love it. And he gives her a kiss. And so I, I thought it was a, it was a clever little bit with Cena and it, you know, he's, he's good. He's, he's very good. He, he's a company man. He definitely is selling himself as, you know, this is my life. I'm always going to be in WWE. And, uh, you know, it's just, it, it was a, a nice little bit. And then John Sabor came back out and just said, we're going to build on our partnership for New York and New Jersey. WrestleMania 35's on sale date will be coming in a few months. Media can do one-on-one interviews on the side. We'll be doing lunch. And then New Day comes out, and they, they're like, we're going to do pancakes. So they start throwing pancakes. And I noticed that they only throw pancakes at the WWE guys. Yeah, they only threw a few pancakes at the wrestlers in the front row there. They were like, yeah. I was like, thank God. Because there would be that element of being like, yeah, you don't invite the New York Times to your press conference and throw a pancake in their face. Well, and they then have the atmosphere of the, of the Business Partner Summit. With New Day, too, yes. right? Which New Day was at the Business Partner Summit last year, yes, too. Yes, they were. They bring them out on the stage, and, like, their music plays, and their, their Tron plays on the on the screens behind them. And, you know, Xavier's playing the trombone. They're all out there dancing or whatever they're doing. And yeah. um, Then they stuffed and pancakes just, all and in just, Sabor's suit coat. <laughs> they're all out there, and it's just, like, silence. There's just, like, all these well-dressed millionaires, like, watching, kind of nervously laughing, probably turning to, to their neighbor and like not really knowing how to react and then they're yeah so good thing they well, throw pancakes at, at these millionaires well, they, they at least got to be in a suit this time sometimes they come out and they're like in their wrestling gear right and that's even the weirder thing is like when they they have to be in wrestling gear and everyone else is in suits right. so at least they were up here yeah yeah everyone was dressed up so i thought it was a nice event i thought it was you know interesting was it newsworthy was it you know shocking no it was not like a a quarterly call where there's going to be tons of stuff that we didn't know but um i i thought it was an interesting little preview for the business partner summit in the sense that you know smiles on the faces is going to continue to be a go-to line but at the same time um you know ronda rousey wwe superstar biggest star in the world i think we might see her again at the business partner summit or other things i think they're you know really uh trotting her out left and right to kind of try to brag about the fact that they have her um, and 
it just also Paul Levesque, you know, the, his pitch of, of what every pitch involves the performance center, right? He constantly brings that up every time he's out there talking about what he can do. So that's that's interesting to me, too, that, you know, sometimes when it has nothing to do with uh, what they're talking about, he still brings it up. So, you know, what, I don't what know. What do you think about the smiles on people's faces line? Is that is that the best way to tell that story? I I don't like it. I I think, you know, that's like saying, it's does the walking dead? Does The Walking Dead put smiles on people's faces? Right. No, but is it compelling entertainment that that uh, has driven millions of dollars of revenue and continues to deliver for television partners uh, episodic programming that captivates an audience? But I just mean, you is, know. is that the best sales pitch that they could do? Because I feel like I don't know. No. Um, I think the thing that they're they're trying to get at with smiles on people's faces is like wrestling can be this means of of social bonding for people or it can be i don't know something that people discover that distracts them out of uh i don't know some other part of their life that wasn't going so well or something like that i mean they used to use the multi-generational argument a lot saying you know we're bringing families together again yeah yeah but i I think i don't don't to get sidetracked here but i I think pro wrestling can be uh, as meaningful as any any other form of 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 a medium or or of art or or of tv or whatever and I think that's – I guess that's what they're trying to say in Smiles on People's Faces. They're trying to sanitize this. Hey, look, we're, we're benign you know, entertainment that anybody can enjoy. And I think there's – part of, part of the, the, the trouble with it is there's people like me who like want serious pro wrestling where, where people uh, compete and, ha- and have personal issues and they want things bad. And uh, – Putting smiles on people's faces makes it sound very light. Well, I feel like it's the difference between the Super Bowl and the Pro Bowl where, you know, the Pro Bowl, who cares who wins, right? Yeah, yeah. But the idea is it's fun for the people there versus the Super Bowl. Yeah, the Super Bowl is about stakes and you're like, your team should win. This team worked harder than any other team for the year. This team is the underdog. This team is the the reigning champion. It's about and, passion and victory. Yeah. And, defeat and, 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 and triumph and sadness and disappointment. And, yeah. Yeah. And so, like, to me, that's the difference there is that, again, this is similar to what you and I were talking about last week with the WWE Network, which is if you frame the WWE Network as being for the super serving for the most hardcore engaged fans, you're basically saying the third of the story that we would think is the most climatic and interesting part of the story is not really relevant for most people, because all we care about is that you're entertained by us generally when we're around. Right. Not yeah. that we're telling a good story yeah. and that it's important for you to see the climax of the story. Yeah, you brought that up last week, and I think that is a point that we should, like, <laughs> we should criticize more. But that, you know, it's like saying that, hey, the, the regular season games are the things that, that everybody's going to consume. That's the mass consumption thing. And the playoffs and the Super Bowl are really the things that are only for our hardcore football fans, which is totally the opposite of the way that it works, at least in the NFL, right? Where, like, the Super Bowl is the most watched game of the season. The playoffs are the, are the second most watched games of the season, and the regular season are below that absolutely so we have managed to talk more about a conference that if we had literally just played the conference for everybody it would have been shorter but uh hopefully hopefully we've at least extracted some value out of it for our listeners and if not you can just play it in double time like i did we've done an hour on this press conference and Almost, almost. Um, the other thing that changed this week is very similar to what we're talking about here: the relationship between WWE business partners, the fans, and the programming. Right. Yeah. So the whole fabulous moolah controversy. 
over um, just putting in perspective. Monday, wasn't it, that they announced that they would do the they would do the fabulous moolah. Um, do they call it a battle royal or rumble? I believe the fabulous moolah memorial battle royal. I yeah, I could be wrong. And and that basically it would be named after the trailblazer, their their favorite word, uh, fabulous moolah, and that you know it was going to be an all women's event to be part of WrestleMania. And of course, see women too, I believe. Yeah, it would include people much like the Royal Rumble had to. You would you would need to get some talent from from NXT. And then, of course, since we've already put a lot of the higher profile talent in other matches, you know, I would expect to see people like um, Peyton Royce and and Billy, you know, Billy Kay and all those, you know, kind of those this other NXT talent that we might not have seen in the Rumble because some of the more mainstream talent is going to be already on on other kinds of matches. So before we get into the politics of this, there's not going to be an Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal at WrestleMania. I think there's going to be both. Really? They haven't announced that. I'm sure there's people who are listening who know better than I do. But well, let's let's if, just look if, at the if, WrestleMania if the case, card. There's going to be a lot of men left off this card, which I'm fine with. <laughs> but as as a fan, but yeah. No, I'm I'm 99% sure they're do, still doing a a uh, under the giant one. So they're going to um, do two battle royals on this show. You are right that it's not listed. I mean, they already have ten matches listed for uh, uh, WrestleMania so far: Lesnar, Reigns, AJ Nakamura, Miz, Rollins, Finn, Orton, Rude, Flair, Asuka, uh, The Bar versus Strowman, possibly um, Alexander uh, Cedric Alexander versus either Gulak or, or, or Ali for the Cruiserweight Championship. Uh, Angle and Rousey versus Triple H and, and right, Steph. I, I'm looking at an article on WrestlingInc.com from yesterday, and it does list the fifth annual Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal here. Yeah, I've always heard that it was going to happen. The, the women's uh, Rumble and Owens versus Zayn, yeah. possibly with Shane yeah. in there somehow. Yeah. Uh, you know, those, That's the 10 I've listed. I've always heard there's 11, and I, I thought the 11th was going to be a Rumble. Now, they might... Um, Okay, I'm looking at something from WrestlingInc.com. So we got Reigns, Lesnar, Nakamura, Styles, Miz, Balor, Rollins, Asuka, Flair, Cedric Alexander versus uh, whoever wins that. The winner, uh, yeah. Uh, mixed tag match, Rousey and Angle, Triple H and Stephanie, uh, the first yeah. ever women's battle royal. Uh, yeah. And then these now these are the rumored matches, right? Nia Jackson, Lassa uh-huh. Bliss, that looks all but official. Something between Strowman and, and The Bar. Uh, Bobby Roode and Randy Orton for the U.S. title. Uh, maybe with maybe with gender involved. Uh, SmackDown three-way tag title match New Day, Bludgeon Brothers, Usos, Cena and The Undertaker, Owens and Zayn maybe with Shane and, and Daniel Bryan involved, and Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal. That is 14 matches. Okay. So what you have there, the the the, the Nia Jax match yeah. that isn't on the list I'm looking at, you have there the Undertaker-Cena match that isn't listed there, and you have there the uh, the Bludgeon Brothers three three tag team match that isn't listed there. So th- those are the ones that I, I didn't have on my list. So that would be 14. Uh, and it's very possible. Two I mean, battle royals was the point, though. It, though. They're going to do two battle royals in one show. I yeah, guess they did but Ro- we, did, we did that on Royal Rumble. Jeez, exactly. Right. And and it's slow. It's it's faster. I mean, the battle royal they've done in the past very early on in the card. And if you remember last year, it was just, you know, let, let's get to Jinder, Gronk and Mojo. You know, that was the whole point of it. A couple years ago, it was uh, – Let's put Shaq in there, you know, things like that. So, I mean, they've they've, they've screwed around with it. In You're the going past, to WrestleMania, right? I am, I am. Yeah. So, I'm looking. You know, it's going to be a long day. It always is a long day. Uh, it's funny because you know it always starts in sunny and then it ends and it's dark. But uh, I think we're indoors this time. So, yeah, the Superdome. Um, I haven't again. I haven't bought any tickets to anything, and I'm probably going to procrastinate on that as long as possible. So, 
Well, I, I would I would get your WrestleMania ticket. Yeah, can, but it's it's gonna if it sells out, it's gonna sell out late, and then I can stub hub a ticket if I really have to. Well, that's what I at did a, at a small I'd, markup. I, I would just go go straight to StubHub and, and get one. But do I want to support a business? Or go that, to SeatGeek. That, that's true. Go to SeatGeek.com. But do I want to support a business that's like giving $68 million in political donations to uh, various political causes? Are you talking about WWE? Yeah. Are you talking about Linda McMahon? I'm talking about Linda McMahon. Well, I don't, Linda McMahon I don't, I don't does know. not work for WWE. Yeah, but she's using the money that was made from WWE. Yes, she is. Yes, she Talk is. Talk about that in the Patreon edition. Uh, let's get back to what we we're going to talk about, which anyway. is the Moolah controversy. Yeah. Uh, so, yes, they might have to. Um, people got angry at this. People did not think that Fabulous Moolah was a people person. People got angry worth- about this. People got angry that people got angry about this and so on. Yeah, people did not think that Fabulous Moolah was a person worth lionizing. I want to say lionizing, right? That's yeah, the right yeah, way to use word. that word. Sure. Yeah. Um, that they thought lionized to gave public attention or approval or treat as a celebrity to acclaim, admire, praise, extol, applaud, hail, glorify. Yep. Yeah. People did not care for that. And they, they, you know, um, uh, David Bixon's band wrote an article for Deadspin. There was a Reddit post that, that kind of exploded where someone said, here's all the stories that we've heard about Fabulous Moolah. And basically, you know, allegations against her that she not only um, impeded the growth of women's wrestling for decades by her stranglehold on the business, which is good and bad. I mean, you could also argue that every time you're saying one person had such a monopoly that you stopped everybody else. That's a tough argument because it's kind of like, well, why did no one else step up? But there was a lot of promoters who were complicit with that and willing to basically give her that monopoly. She took a large share of money from people. But the the more damning evidence against her is things about you know her being a very unfit mother and her being um, essentially treating some women's wrestlers like pimp, like she was their pimp, and sending them out to. Um, areas where either they didn't feel safe, they felt like they were being pressured to uh, engage in sexual acts, or where they felt like they were being uh, asked to wrestle or work even when they were not physically able or ready. And then additionally, older, older stories about May Young and Moolah basically trying to do entrapment and blackmail and and physical assault on on kind of cheating men and tried to steal, you know, robbery basically. Um, and things there's, of that nature. Just of her drugging women too. Oh, I, I miss those, but I'm I'm not surprised. I mean, so essentially, you know, wrestling is a a business that is filled with shitty people, shitty characters, and very very dark um, decision making. You know, a lot of people turning the uh, turning away to ignore the bad things that are happening to the, to the point where the, the most powerful decision maker here still today. You know still chose to try to celebrate her place in the business by naming a battle royal after her, even when, you know, reportedly people had told him, I'm talking about Vince McMahon, had told him, like, there's going to be a backlash over this, but he, you know, reportedly didn't care. Said we're gonna go I didn't the think there would be this big of a backlash. I think Jimmy Snuka was a great example of one where I was like, I can't believe they did this. This is in the news, you know. This is something people were talking about for the last three years. Jimmy Snuka on murder trial. You know, this is not something that has been buried. The May Young – or I'm sorry, the Moolah stuff has been buried for years. It's been out there, but no one's cared, right? right? For years and years and years, no one's given a damn about talking about it. And I did not think anyone would really lose their mind again 
you know, getting getting upset about it because it's been there for so many years and she's been dead for so many years. And so the fact to me that Snuka happened, I'd be like, well, that one you should have seen coming and you were an idiot for doing that. And I don't care how you feel about him. Um, so many people in this company could have put the stop on it. So the, the deal with Snuka was just that they paid tribute to him after he died. They paid enormous tribute to him and like treated him like he was this wonderful superstar that, you know, had a had a great life. I guess and, that's that's, a, that's one thing, and, I, and I'm not defending that either. Like, to, I just to mean celebrate this guy who was probably involved in, in the killing of a woman. Uh, is, he was all over the news though the last three years here. This Mula thing, she hasn't been all over the news for years and years right. and years. So it wasn't like what, this what was what a I'm hot button. The thing. difference between the Snooker situation and the Mula situation is like Snooker dies, and that that if he was a normal person, that prompts some sort of response. But like Mula was like she she didn't die recently. We just decided okay we got this we're gonna do this battle royal and we want to name it after somebody. Let's name it after her. And and you know from Vince McMahon's standpoint, I totally understand why he would choose her oh, because yeah. he you know they they always talk about how again in, this in, would be in part the, of the, in the story senior. of WWE lore. Like she's the greatest women's wrestler of all time. She's the pioneer and everything. But again, it goes back to that Vince Sr. biography. It's the idea to say that Vince Sr. had his list of people that he wanted kind of taken care of yeah. when he left. And she was on that list because she – like they said, she was his eyes and ears yeah. for years and years. Loyalty. Sending women – well, she sent women out to all the promotions. So she would then get the gossip of what's happening and she'd feed that back to Vince Sr. Yeah. And so she was kind of his, you know, his uh, dirt sheet at the time. You know, it was part of that network. And so she was someone that he wanted to, quote unquote, reward or, you know, uh, take, like he said, take care of. Are you saying that Fabulous Mula was a wrestling journalist? (laughs) Um, No comment. Uh, But so I'm not surprised that, you know, Vince, who's worked with this woman, she was around for 20 years of his promotion, you know, give or take, starting from when he's in the 70s to the 80s. And someone that he knew for all those years that and, he wouldn't. She, she's a member of that WWE family. Yeah. yeah, she's a member of that family. Exactly. So I'm not surprised he would think of doing that. And that if you were to say, who is a famous woman wrestler in WWE lore, she comes up. Now, would – And I think the May Young classic Penny is, Banner is like a, or uh, many of these other people be Mildred much Burke. better? Mildred Burke. Would they be much better? And I – you know, there, there's that element where I'm sure some of them have some things in their closet that are not great. But by contrast, but you know, they, did, they didn't have a run in Vince's promotion or his dad's promotion. I think that's yep. the that's the key element there. But they never expected that basically these stories coming up from people who are just going to complain would actually boil over. Um, I think they always knew some people would think, ah, this is lame. This is awful. We don't like her. Because they stuck but, it out for the JBL thing. You know, everybody, you know, yeah. there's backlash on the on JBL what whatever happened between him and, and Moro Ronaldo or Moro Ronaldo quit the SmackDown broadcast team and uh, lots of people complained about it. People like me wrote articles like the oral history of JBL and all the stories of JBL hazing people and whatnot and uh they stuck it out and even though there was there was some chance against JBL at, at uh, a SmackDown taping or two, they stuck it out and uh JBL ended up leaving the team but not apparently directly related to that issue. Yeah. But but we go on and we see they do change. They do back down. They do, in fact, give up on this. And the reason why is that we hear from Snickers. They made a statement that says we were recently made aware of World Wrestling Entertainment Inc.'s WWE's decision to honor a former wrestler during the upcoming WrestleMania 34 event as a principle based business that has long championed 
creating inclusive environments that encourage and empower everyone to reach their full potential, this is unacceptable. We are engaging with the WWE to express our disappointment, which was a, a very interesting statement coming from a partner that um, I'm trying to think of Snickers was their business partner of the year last year. Do we remember? It might have been. But anyway, they're, they're, they're the most prominent sponsor of WrestleMania. Um, I think it's, it's like Snickers presents WrestleMania, right? Yes, yes. And but I'm I, I mean, think somebody I'm, put a put a post out on Reddit. I think just maybe just before this happened. I'm not, I don't know. I'm not saying it's necessarily related, but I think somebody put out a post on Reddit that made the front page saying, hey, "If you want the WWE to care, complain to their sponsors." And it was like the contact links for some of their major sponsors, probably including Snickers. So I don't know if a lot of people reached out to Snickers directly in, in, in that way or or what happened, but uh, I, th- I think what we've got here is a precedent setting situation, don't you think? I think we have what I, what I would uh, dub the Snickers doctrine. And Snickers was, in fact, their business partner of the year last year hmm. in 2017. And I, I, I bring that up because I think that's a great example of, you know, they went to a guy named Ray Amati. He was the media planning and, and social content director at Mars. And I bet you anything he has, you know, an understanding to say, hey, we're investing heavily in your company. And if you put us in a position where we're going to get a bad Me Too tweet, you know, you're you're embarrassing us as a, a company and we're not comfortable with that. Right. And, uh, you know, and then Stephanie, of course, tried to flip it. Oh, <laughs> oh, I'm Ste- sorry. Stephanie, so, I mean, and in, in fairness, like so so the the whole strategy is always like, oh, we were always on board with this from the beginning. And look at how powerful and how vocal our, our passionate fans are. Isn't it wonderful? Rather than like we made a mistake, which is of course is I guess the way they have to spin that as as ethical egoists and as capitalists, right? But well, and so <sighs> let's let's just quote WWE. After yeah. further consideration, we believe it's best to proceed with the name WrestleMania Women's Battle Royal. What remains most important is that this historic match is part of WWE's unwavering commitment to the women's division. So part of this is to not say we were wrong. We just saying the best course of action at this time is to go ahead this way. Um, part of it is because, of course, you don't want to, as a company, kind of publicly. I, I guess you can't libel someone who's dead. I don't think, but um, to to publicly besmirch this this fabulous moolah direction that you've taken. Yeah. But you know they're just basically saying let's move on and let's do something else. And Snickers responded, we are very pleased that WWE has decided to proceed with the name WrestleMania Women's Battle Royal. And I'm guessing this is the engagement of, you know, people there who are saying we should be sensitive to this. We should also be very sensitive to our business partnership. Let's come up with a way to solve this that we both can then have some face saving. And and I want to be like clear to you. Like, for all we know, Stephanie could have been one of those people who is opposed to it. I don't know, though. I, I'm guessing that most of these people did not ever think that it would blow up in a way that would make them uncomfortable and specifically that they would have a partner that would then say, I don't want to see my Twitter mentions every day just be about how bad we are because we we're letting, we're sponsoring an event with fabulous moolah. And I think the young classic is some evidence that like, there's an awareness of that, right? Like, cause in, in the, in the book of W lore, if you were going to name a, uh, an event after somebody You'd think they would reach to, to Mula first, and uh, I think they would have if Mula didn't have all those stories against her. Uh, I'm, I'm talking about the Mayon Classic. So all I'm saying is, like, I think the choice to call the Mayon Classic the Mayon Classic is is out of a, a recognition that we can't name this after Fabulous Mula, at least when Triple H is the, the decider. Yeah, that's a great point. That you know they they must have already had a small file 
about what are some strategic names that we could have used. And someone must have said, this is going to be a lightning rod for us in the future. Let's go in a different direction. And, you know, I don't expect 99% of the wrestlers out there to know this much about her because we it's, it's a different... Wait, Wade Keller mentioned that he, he had heard from one W talent who was not even aware of the, of the stories about Mula until the other day. Yeah. And so, I mean, it's... it's I, I'm not surprised because it's it's a generation ago and we don't, you know, when he talks about the performance center, the one thing that I think that they don't do a lot of, it's not like you hear that they're saying, okay, I'm sending you home with the biography of G- Gorgeous George, would you like you to study it and come back tomorrow with your, your essay on what you've learned? You know, it's not like wrestling history is really seeming like it's a big part of the performance center culture. Yeah, no, I mean, WWE's narrative of their history is is more important. So it's just I'm saying it's an opportunity there that, you know, there's lessons in history and lessons in the people of the history. And, you know, if you were to be like, okay, can you list some of the biggest double crosses in history? Most people know about Sean and Brett, but they probably don't know all the way back to, you know, spider, the spider lady double cross. And then going way, way back to I don't was it Hackenschmidt um, with the biting incidents and all that. And was was Gotch Hackenschmidt a double cross? Was it Gosh Hashman? I'm just trying to think of the one with the, the bite like, marks and all they, that. I don't know about the bite, bite marks, but like there was there's a story. Oh, I'm sure there's somebody who knows what we're talking about. But there's a story like somebody's leg was injured in advance of the match, and that's why Gotch won or something like that. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. But, so it, just, but anyway, but, I, th- I think this is a, um, I think this is a history teaching moment too. Where I think, are we going to see more situations like this in the future? Where I don't know the next time WWE does a racist promo or something, does another you know Jinder Mahal Nakamura promo, something on the level of that, are we going to see fans get mad and send a bunch of angry emails to sponsors and and will WWE do anything about it? Well, and I remember this. I, I'm around long enough to remember the days of WCW where WCW was mistreating Ric Flair. And they were in a big feud that a lot of people like would write to like Castro Motor Oil and people complaining about WCW's treatment of Ric Flair. Complaining about and, his booking. Yeah, basically saying we don't think you should sponsor WCW because they are mistreating this legend. And so, I remember so getting like an email back. problems concerns, just like you're just not creatively doing a good job. Well, this at the time they were in a lawsuit with him and all that over it was it was when Russo and him were were and actually Bischoff and him were in a huge kind of loggerheads about right before he did his abuse of power promo that he comes back on yeah. and he's he's screaming and raving yeah. a, a very famous return video but um this is where yeah. he puffs his uh, his wrist to the top rope and undresses yeah and he's just and he just starts screaming abuse of power abuse of power yeah, that one. But 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 the lead up to that, there was a lot of people saying, "Let's go to the the sponsors and push on them." And so this isn't a new idea. Obviously, this is activism one hundred and one. You know, we're seeing it with the NRA, we're seeing it with other groups right now, where you target the business relationships of the organization, and that's the easiest way to kind of drive change is when it hits their dollar. Um, but I think especially so in this era of at least WWE, where I think we we talked about it last time, but it. I think it's important to to understand there's, you know, like I said, a couple of years ago, I was writing about there's two different audiences. There's the hardcores or the ardent fans, and then there's the casual fans. And maybe there's some distinction to be made there. But I think an even more important distinction to be made is that there's two audiences. There's the fans who they care about to an extent. They want to put a smile on your face. But then there's the business partners who they really care about. 
Yeah, I mean, the fact that it, it's uh, 560 live events is what Triple H said during that WrestleMania conference. He's like more than add, 10 a week. I, I think the issue with the business partners is that, and the, and the difference compared to the fans is that they they take their fans for granted. They they and and somewhat understandably, like these these you know, lots of people are always going to watch WWE, even if. Even if, you know, we complain about it and people hate it or whatever, they're still going to have a lot of fans. There's going to be lots of people that they're always going to capture, right? Or, or at least I think so they believe to some extent. But these business partners, these business partners are, are, are much more uncertain relationships. These are much less guaranteed and long-term relationships. And I think they, they view their fans as like, we're always going to have a certain number of fans. But we're not always going to keep these sponsors happy. Sponsors are going to come and go much more easily than fans are going to come and go. Yes, and and that's what I mean is like they had a pretty, in my mind, dramatic attendance erosion last year, and no one's batting an eye at that, even though I would say that's a great example of your fans rejecting your ticket prices and your strategy in some ways. And yet, what is it that they're concentrated on? It's all these other things. It's sponsorships and it's, it's whatnot. So it's like the fans not even showing up to the arena – or tuning off on television or other things, that's not what's what's causing panic in their hearts. But when the investor says, I don't think you have enough free cash flow, they go scrambling to figure out how they can take $200 million in loans. Uh, do you think the uh, not just the looming of WrestleMania on the horizon, but also the, the TV contract negotiations happening right now with NBC Universal or Fox or whatever they're doing, do you think that was part of their uh, eagerness to to change the name of the, of the Battle Royal? We're like, okay, let's just nip this in the bud and let's not. They do not want the reputation of a company that is drawing someone else into a, quote, Me Too scandal. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't want the reputation of being that Snickers suddenly feels like, oh, we were double-crossed. Because I'm sure what happened at Snickers is their social media lit up, Right. And somebody who's not involved with WWE said, what the hell is going on? Why did we have – 10x mentions than we did the day before right and, and i imagine they, wwe are used to this and, and they just brush it off with regularity yeah and you got to remember snickers is this worldwide company you know mars is worldwide and so this is a tiny part of the portfolio of what they're doing and then they'll be like this is bad news for us this is not good pub wwe said that we're their business partner of the year we're giving them a truckload of money to do wrestlemania here uh, we should have some say in making sure that they don't give us bad because every time it shows up and it says the the fabulous Mula Battle Royal at Snickers presents WrestleMania 34, you know, that's going to be a bad pub for us and we don't want it. Right. And, you know, it, it, I'm like, glad that they they figured it out quickly. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm thrilled I'm, that they they basically came to their senses. And you can argue, you know, Vince McMahon or whoever it was was overruled by common sense principles. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm glad they changed the name, but I think I think it points to the the lack of of ethical thought that that the at least the decision makers in this company make. Like, the the only reason that they changed it is because they had economic pressure to do so, not because they genuinely want to make history or improve women's wrestling or whatever it is. Well, you know, it, it, why does everything have to be one or the maybe, other? Maybe they do want to improve women's wrestling, but like the reason why they're changing this is not because they had. A, uh, an introspective moral epiphany, I think, as I wrote once. Like, they, they want to, you know, they just want to make their sponsors happy. I Well, I would love if, though, you know, what if everything starts a trend? A trend is just a series of events that is going to continue on. So, you know, maybe this is the first step. 
for them to be able to say, you know, again, maybe I'm giving them too much credit, but maybe it's the first step for them to say, let's be a little bit more responsible in trying to create a less, yeah, less of a swamp right of that, what, this what could scare them in the future, right? Yeah. So like they don't and, do something similar in the future. And and it's tough because what you're doing is you're trying to lionize people that were not employees. You're trying to lionize people that were these independent contractors that you had these relationships with, right? And so in a certain point, you're like, well, either you got to bring these people into your fold and make them represent WWE and then hold them accountable. Or you have to accept the fact that you're basically just searching for legends that you can get some goodwill off of that other people feel good about that you've never really treated like they were part of your company. And, you know, that's where they struggle is every year when they have to come up with who's going to go in the Hall of Fame and people, you know, freak out about so-and-so is not in or should be yeah. so-and-so. It's an economic decision for them, also partially driven by who's not suing them this year. I, I hope this doesn't, like, cause a 15-minute derail. But, like, I think there's there's probably, like, a project to be done about, like, at what point are they going to run out of people to put in the Hall of Fame, right? Because at some point the, the the number of people that they'll be able to put in the Hall of Fame will be, like – It'll be. It'll have to be compared to like the number of people that they just bring on to the roster or something. I don't know if that's even the right way to say it. But well, it, it it's it's going to be driven by how much do they want to keep it as this economic event and how many constraints are they going to put on it around who is a legend that is worthy of a Hall of Fame in WWE? Because if you look at the Wrestling Observer Hall of Fame, uh, for for better or for worse, you can argue there's lots of great people that have never been honored by WWE. Some of I, which who are living. I guess the balance I'm thinking of is like, let's count the number of people who get get on the main, who debut on the main roster, and become regular performers in, in a given year, right? And then, is that more or less than the number of people they put in the Hall of Fame every year? Well, I mean, it's obviously more people are 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 they're adding. You know, it's always going to be a one percent or whatever, a tenth of a percent of the people. Like, how many people are going in the Hall of Fame this year? Five, six, seven, something like that. And I think that's got to be a, a little bit less than the number of people who make it to the main roster per year. Oh, so no, no, I, no. They, they, they debut a good 12 people or so each year, eight to, eight to 12 people a year. It doesn't feel that way. But then if I read you the name and I'll be like, oh, the Revival came up. Yeah. Oh, American Alpha came up. Oh, Asuka came up. Oh, you know, Nakamura is actually only been around for a year. Right. But this is the, uh, point, the point I'm making is like at, at this rate, eventually – Almost everybody is going to make make it to the Hall of Fame, which isn't a revelation. But like, I don't think that's going to happen. What are they going to do then? They're going to have to. Well, it's always a combination. People per year. Well, and also you, you you it's in eras, right? So you do the historic era, you do the modern, you do someone who's dead, you do someone who is you know. I'm not talking about these marquee names, like the ones that they've announced. They have a limit to those for sure. I think they have a limit to the number of North American superstars that they can get access to that they feel comfortable doing. And part of that is because they blew through a lot in before this was a big event. So, you know, Andre the Giant, you know, maybe there'll be some year that they re-induct him to, uh, you know, make it a bigger deal. Or, you know, the fact they put in both funks together, you know, you could have done Terry, you can done Dory separate, you know, you, you have choices like that. Okay. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Let's talk about this uh, John Bravo story. Um, I, I told you off air that I am very conflicted about us talking about these these allegations against people because th I consider it a little bit of muckraking in the sense that it's basically a guy going on YouTube and saying, I've got this evidence against somebody. And by the way, the guy I'm trying to – the guy I'm dealing with is 
being arrested for steroid distribution, but hey, I'm going to try to implicate other people and I'm going to make these weird, you know, shadowy allegations and I'll try to prove that they're true, but I'm just going to make shadow, shadow, shadowy allegations. And I feel like we're amplifying this person's voice by talking about it and by giving them the time of day and treating salacious rumors as if they're the equivalent of facts. Yeah, I, I think there could be something to to what Richard Rodriguez is saying. Does he have really have records? Maybe he does, but he hasn't produced any real evidence. Obviously, he hasn't produced any evidence that he has uh, records of PED transactions for Roman Reigns or I think the other other one was Mark Wahlberg, right? But he, he so in this video, should we get into what what this video actually said? You can go over it. I have not watched the video. I've read an article about it. I I took I started to watch it and then immediately realized he spelled Steve Austin with a Y. Yeah, th- there's a number of – And he, he wrote at the end here, without the direct yeah. text communications between them, they cannot be verified until they're received and he used the wrong there. And right, I, there, there. When, when, when you are – it takes one person three seconds to point out these errors. And so – Austin with a Y. I, I don't understand how A, you could Google a picture of this man. And still get it wrong. And B, you couldn't have a single other person on the planet who has half a brain and says, you sound like an idiot if you're pretending to be a journalist, but you can't spell the difference between there and there. If you can't spell the difference between this wrestling personality you're trying to implicate and this one over here. It's it's just ignorance on a level that it, it confounds me because it, it's why the idea of journalism gets a, gets a laugh. It's, because people pr- treat all things as if it's in one big bucket of in terms of, of in, I'm incredulous at this. I'm just incredulous because it's like if you make those kind of mistakes, what's to say you're not making lots and lots and lots of other little mistakes? Because in this, there's lots of examples where he says, well, this guy knows this guy and that guy knows this guy. So therefore, this guy's in, implicating the other person. And you're like, no, that's three degrees. Right. So he's got records of – transactions between uh so so by the way this is this is john bravo who's doing an interview like in a studio maybe in his house uh he's he's doing a phone call recording with a richard rodriguez who's the uh former ceo of wellness fitness nutrition richard rodriguez is calling him from from prison and we hear uh, a couple times during this interview uh like a an automated uh phone voice saying this call is from a federal prison or something like that. Uh, whether or not that's just a sound effect that he's adding for dramatic effect or not. No, no, they no, do that. Maybe, they... maybe it's real. Oh, that's real. You've, you've had phone conversations with people from federal prison all the time, huh? I I will say that I have talked to someone who's in prison before. Yes. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. And and I will also say that like if you watched, um, was it Making a Murderer or whatever, um, where there's a lot of phone calls with people in prison in that one and some of the other you know specials you will see that um there was a great oh gosh i'm trying to think of which maybe it was on serial it was one another thing where they were just talking about how like it's only 15 minutes long you can ever talk on these things and you have to use prepaid car it was in um the first first season of serial is all about that too where they're they're calling uh the guy who's been convicted for the crime and uh he's calling from prison so they're they're constantly getting interrupted by that so no it that's real I, i would i would say that's not being done for dramatic effect Okay, so so he, what we see in this video is John Bravo like scrolling through his computer, where you can see you know, apparent records of transactions between uh, I guess it's Richard Rodriguez or at least Wellness, at least WFN, but between uh, them and Rick Bassman, who's of course the uh, semi-famous 
pro wrestling trainer from the old UPW in, in California who trained people like John Cena and things like that. And he's got records of transactions with Luther Reigns, not Roman Reigns, but Luther Reigns. And he's got records of transactions with a trainer who is associated with Jinder Mahal and Sheamus. So, so let, let's go back to Luther, Luther Reigns for a second. Now, first of all, Luther Reigns himself will admit he did steroids. He had a stroke in 2009, and they wrote about it. And he said he was taking steroids and taking 40 to 50 pills. And he was that was when he was working on WCW. And he, he sued WWE as part of the CT lawsuit. Um and other people. So, I mean, like he's talked about this very openly that he was taking drugs and, and had taken drugs in the past and taken PEDs. And it was after he, uh, had been suspended. And I mean, so after he had, um, been in WWE, they started the drug policy. Um, yeah, I was just, I'm looking at his Wikipedia real quick and he probably would have left just before the wellness policy. Yeah. But I mean, he, he's, when he had a stroke in 2009 and other times he's talked very openly about this. So this is not a shock to anyone. If you knew anything, Luther Reigns already admitted he used to buy steroids from people. So that is not a surprise that this was happening. Um, the Rick Bassman piece, he was, um, the California trainer. I think it was UPW was his, his company back yep. in the day. And of course people like Samoa Joe, Frankie Kazarian, um, John Cena, Cena, um, and then lots and lots of other, uh, California people came through there. If you go way, way, way back, um, to like even, um, beyond the matter or whatever, I think Rick Bassman shows up in that one as well. Uh, maybe I don't, I don't think you, is UPW in there. I don't think so. Certainly APW is. Oh, maybe uh, I'm thinking. Roland Alexander. Yeah, maybe I'm thinking of. Ro- but, I'm, I'm conflating was, I think the two. A, you're right. There's a popular UPW training video. But I think one of the guys from uh, Beyond the Mat, one of the two people there, either Tony Jones or um, the other guy, might have been a UPW trainer. Oh, Mike for, yeah, well, Mike Monis was APW trainer. He's shown. That's true. APW. I'm I'm screwing up my anyway. Southern California history <laughs> or my Northern and Southern California history. But anyways, but Rick Bassman. So Cal and Censored will be coming you know, for you later. And so. of course, Rick Bassman. Years and years ago, uh, was involved with both Sting and Under and and Ultimate Warrior and the third right. bodybuilder that they sent down to like Alabama who didn't work out. Uh, mm-hmm. And so, and the, the weird weird thing about this video is that they're like when whenever they show uh, records of of some transaction between WFN and, and some person, they'll be like, oh, but look, this person is connected to Sting and the Ultimate Warrior and John Cena, and and like they're they're. Their faces are shown in the video, like photos are, and it's fairly well edited, you know, photos are shown of these people. And if you were only half paying attention, you might think like, oh, these people are, are, are involved in this directly too. And there's at least a lack of evidence yet that they are. Yeah. And I thought Raj Guri did a good job about that in his article on Wrestling Inc, where he just over and over kept saying, this is not actually what it's showing you. Uh, you know, he brought Sting and Ultimate Warrior into the business in the 80s. But there's no connection between that and what we're actually trying to say with what Rick Bass. They're friends, did. though. They're friends. Yeah. And so and, and they mentioned Chris Bell and Matt. Be- are, are, uh, I'm sorry, Chris Bell and Mike Bell. Um, the uh, the Bell brothers who, you know, famously did the uh, Bigger, Faster, Stronger documentary. And Mike Bell was famously a WWE extra jobber enhancement talent whatever you want to call him who for years and years did television tapings and then had the incident with uh, perry saturn where he yeah. where they got into kind of a uh where perry seemed like he, he like, roughed he, him up he shit very, canned him yeah. he, sh- he shit canned him through the second and like i don't know what he, he i guess he threw him kind of hard and, and like bell ended up going down re- really scare scary on his head yeah and then the argument was that either bell 
got his bell rung and didn't know what was happening. And Perry was then kind of working him over because he wasn't doing the spots sure right. There was a lack of co- cooperation. And, before. Or if yeah. it was that, you know, and, and it, at the time, Perry Saturn got a lot of heat because they said, well, you know, this guy's been doing jobs for us for a decade and is very well respected and liked. And, and you know, how dare you treat a guy like that? And a lot of people thought he was out of line how he acted. But the the Bell brothers have also been very honest about doing steroids. And, you know, that's that's the whole I mean, you have you watched Bigger, Faster, Stronger? I have. I think. Yeah. So, I mean, they're very open about that, about doing steroids and about the impact on their bodies and about, you know, one of the bro- one or two of the brothers dying and all that. Yeah. So, I mean, it's it's so also not surprising that a steroid distributor would, in fact, go to be able to name people that, in fact, we know have done steroids. Yeah, I I don't know. My my takeaway from this is like, so the 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 end is is John Bravo saying, hey, there's other devices that Richard Rodriguez has where he claims to have additional records of communications between other people, including maybe people who are in WWE, maybe Roman Reigns and things like that. But we don't have that evidence. He says that those devices where those communications, where the records of those communications are held, those devices are still held by the DEA, and uh, it does. He says he hasn't. Doesn't he even he say in his video that he had to re-edit it because something he said was hurting the case for the guy that he was told not to to publicize. So I mean, there's also that element of it here, where the guy is is going, the guy is trying to get publicity in such a way that he's probably actually hurting the legal standing of his his friend. Yeah. Uh, he, he says like the, the devices where there's additional records on those are still being held by the DEA, and he's got an ETA, an estimated time where he's going to receive those devices. He doesn't say what that is, but says he's going to do another video in the future so this is you know stringing people along you got to stay stay tuned there, there might be more and then wasn't i mean people thought the whole roman reigns luther reigns thing was a joke and that no that and then i remember Meltzer came on he's like that's absolutely not what's happening well it turned out luther reigns mm-hmm. was in fact named in this but he's also insisting that roman reigns is also included um yeah richard rodriguez says on, on the video on the, in the interview he says he's a big wrestling fan and he's no that's not what's happening here he did he did not confuse Luther Reigns for Roman. He's Reigns. such a big he wrestling fan. He spelled Steve Austin with a Y. John Bravo spelled Steve Austin with. A oh, y. okay, okay. Um, and so, is the idea here that somehow the 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 Joseph or Liati Joseph Anoy, his contact Roman Reigns real name. Yeah, his contact info is showing up as a like a ship to address or something. Is what they're trying to gimmick. I, d- I didn't catch that. That might might have happened. I mean, there's a line in there that says, even though contact information was found on the laptop, the de- the direct text communications cannot be verified. So I think they're they're basically implying that, you know, kind of like if you went into my Google email and typed in someone's home address, that there's something, some reason I would have had their home address in my email. And so, therefore, there was some relationship there. Is that a record of a, of a shipment of drugs to... Roman Reigns home? No, I think they're just trying to say, like, in the QuickBooks, you know, contact us app. That was one of the addresses that was there. But it's not saying we have the the invoice number. But, yeah, I think he's trying to Im- implicate that he somehow has an address somewhere where it's kind of like when it try to auto-populate something sort of idea, you know. And, and it's not clear why that address would have been loaded in unless that person had done some order. Which, again, you'd have to be like, what a moron to be ordering stuff or – can you prove that what he was ordering was illegal? Because you can order a lot of things from a growth fitness hormone center 
that some of which is legal, some of which is not. And then, of course, you know, so many of these people would use their wife's name or their girlfriend's name or their parent's name or some other name to ship it rather than their own. So it's incredibly incompetent if you're if you're using your own name in these situations. And, and one one person who's receiving shipments, if you believe his first name is Jesse, but he was using the alias Jesse Ventura. Yes, which caused Jesse people shipments. then thinking that Jesse Ventura was implicated. And then later they're like, oh, no, it has nothing to do with that. It would be like if if I was like, I'm going to use the name John Jones. And then you showed a picture of John Jones and be like, and by the way, this has nothing to do with that John Jones. Yeah. So I don't know. I th- he might have more information there. But so let's let's think like who's who's to benefit here is I guess John Bravo is to benefit through YouTube clicks yep. through people like us talking about it now. Now probably people, more people are going to watch it because we've talked about it. But like, oh, yeah, I it, think his legal defense what, what's too. The I, I think his whole idea is to say you're putting me on trial, but shouldn't you really put my users on trial? Aren't they the people that are abusing the system? Or so is that Richard Rodriguez's motivation to to talk to John Bravo? You know, you could argue that he is. Five billion times more prominent. We would not have cared about a steroid distributor being arrested and prosecuted if he didn't have these names to try to tangle out there. And I think in some ways it's kind of a implied blackmail too, right? Help me get off and I won't implicate you. You know, honestly, yeah. they're saying so like, I, you, I, like I saw my somebody... legal fees to be, you know, wouldn't you want me to get the right legal coverage so that then I don't go around just telling everybody who, who, who I ship drugs to. Right. And and so I saw somebody uh, speculate that, well, maybe, maybe because uh, there's that talk about how the video was edited late in the process, right? It may, maybe they, uh, we got WrestleMania coming up. We got TV rights negotiations underway. Maybe WWE is very, very sensitive to these issues right now. Already had to deal with the fabulous Moolah thing. There's a, uh, I give that a zero the, out of 10. You know where I'm going here? I do, but I, I don't think, I think ever since, you know, the days of Zahorian, WWE has learned, don't you dare write a memo that says, <laughs> here's the damning evidence, get rid of it. You know, that's which is basically what 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 Linda did back in the day to Pat Patterson, you know, trying to say, like, look, they're on to us. Let's stop this. And well, just don't, don't make sure there's no record. Of well, it. but I'm just saying, like, the company's a the company will cut Roman Reigns in a heartbeat. Like, who cares if honestly, if he goes away, do you really think that the Roman Reigns Brock Lesnar match is actually bigger than Cena Undertaker? I think it's comparable. It's comparable. But do you think it's something where it's not rock Cena? It is not something where if you don't no. deliver it, the entire business is going to say you have failed me. No. And, and you set up a situation where you can have Braun thrown in there. if you have Exactly. To. And so that's why I'm saying. And, and did they not suspend Roman Reigns mysteriously when he a got the mumps B um got uh, a pop they didn't, for... they didn't suspend they didn't suspend roman reigns he missed some time well this is a story anyway this, he missed some time for being sick just like bray wyatt did yeah but i mean they, they took him out of action even though it was but, an important it, that... it was an important tour for them and they needed him and he possibly could have even been recovered in time but they didn't want him around for that they didn't want they they, they did suspend him for something back in january a few years ago and I believe June June 2016 or so. Okay, yeah, yeah. So they they did that then, and you know, could have been for amphetamines, could have been for PEDs, could have been for none of those things. For all we know, could have been for any for anything on on that list. A huge list of prohibited substances. And so I, I don't think you know. I know that they want him to be the the guy, and I know that they think that he's loyal to them. But I don't think that they're going. I don't think for a second 
his his last name isn't McMahon, they're not going to put their necks on the line. If it was Triple H who was being implicated in this, yes, I will start to listen to your conspiracy theory. But Roman Reigns is not of great enough value to them that they care. In my in my my team. opinion, I'm 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 not not like trying to strongly defend and be like this is my position, but I'm, I'm just sort of playing devil's advocate. But like, but but there's a lot on the line right now with TV rights negotiations. I think that's the biggest piece of revenue. I honestly think if you're trying to impress Fox, do you think they give a shit about Roman Reigns compared to Ronda Rousey? They would care if there was a big drug scandal. They, they would not like it. They would not like it, but. I think WWE would have the better defense to say, look, we're going to suspend this guy. Look, you've given us evidence. Let's we're not going to use it. We have a policy in place. I think the problem is if if in in the slightest bit you interfere with that, then you have screwed yourself because at that point you're actively trying to withhold the process going through the way you said it would. And so you're killing yourself the moment that comes out because you have everything to lose. All you have to do is say, I'm a responsible company. I have suspended a big star. NFL won't do it. NBA won't do it. NHL won't do it. But we'll do it because we believe in doing the right thing for our people. You know, that that's that's how you spin it really easily. And then as a sponsor, you'd say, yep, I can buy that. But I think if you're Fox and you're like, oh, no, I'm not going to have Roman Reigns. I don't think you care that much about it. I think you say, oh, no, you're not going to give me Ronda Rousey the way you said you uh, were. I, I, I care about it's, that. It's not, it's not about it's not about like the star power of Roman Reigns and the subtraction of him from the WWE product. It's about like another steroid scandal for WWE. But it, and, and don't you think that would hurt their ability to negotiate a favorable deal? No. No, just because no. I think every other sport out there has. I, I don't know. It sounds like I'm defending it, but I, I'm not really. I, I just think every other sport out there has so many issues going on with them, and they get big renewals. You know, think about all the 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 allegations about the way ESPN has been treating people. Um, think about the you know domestic violence allegations that plague the NFL and PED scandals and other sports, and yet they still get renewal rights that are just fine because – but, but but wrestling has the stigma of like sure. steroids, drugs. Yeah, but again, I just think all WWE has to do is say we're being responsible in the re- response to these allegations. And the moment you you go and say, look, they're trying to cover this up, that's twenty times worse. Because oh, yeah. all you have to do is say, look, we're actually going to enforce our policy on our biggest star. Shouldn't this put everybody else on call? I think you get around it. It again, I don't think the value of WrestleMania. I don't think one person would cancel their ticket. If I told you Roman Reigns and Brock were not going to wrestle now in hell, Brock failed a test and they basically came out and said, we don't have a way to punish him. And everyone gave him a pass. So the idea that, you know, you can say, well, don't you have steroid abusers in your company? Yes, we've already proven this inconclusively, conclusively. And yet no one gave a crap. So to me, it's it's hard to say that the Roman Reigns thing is going to blow up in such a way that's going to embarrass them enormously, in my opinion. I mean, unless he's literally, you know, he's he's literally using you – know, if they gave him money that he was supposed to donate to a Make-A-Wish Foundation and he instead used that to buy steroids, I think that would embarrass them. <laughs> but I guess that the, – at least the, the hope of that perhaps in Richard Rodriguez or John Bravo's mind would – motivate them to do what they're doing i think they want attention i think he wants to bring attention i think his viewpoint is the more people that care about my case and the bigger it seems the more the government is going to be nervous about not screwing up 
and the more that maybe someone is going to come forward and help us in a way that's going to give us, you know, some benefit. And I, I do think there's an implied blackmail. I really do. That basically it's, it's a way of trying to say, I'm going to do journalism that's going to make you look bad. And then you're going to come back and say, I'm going to do a payment that's going to make you feel better about what you're doing legally. You know, scratch my back. John Bravo did refer to himself as a reporter, and I, I believe he used the word journalist as well. You know, it's like in the tabloid uh, community, uh, uh, was it not AJ Jacobs, but one of the guys who I've been watching a thing, and he's he's popped up on a couple things, the Gawker documentary and other and some of the Donald Trump stuff. And he basically said, I used to barter rumors. And so I would say, I'll kill this story if you give me a better story. And he, he's like, I did it all the time. And it, I think it's that basically is that, you know, it, these are people that are buttering rumors. Plus, you figure if you do get the records, don't you think National Enquirer is going to pay $10,000 or $25,000 to get those records from John Bravo and then be able to publish them themselves? That's what he's that's what he's angling for is he wants basically some media group. And, of course, the legitimate media is not going to do it. But tabloids will say, I want the Mark Wahlberg records. You don't think I mean, if you know, wrestling media. Do, would you not believe that wrestling media would not pay to get the Roman Reigns smoking gun? You do not think there wouldn't be an, a person or an organization out there that would say, How much money are we talking about? So you're talking about like a wrestling news website would pay money for records? Yeah, let's say they said – would, That would break a big story? Yeah. How much? I think they would pay four digits, five digits maybe. If if you had, it, I mean, for for how, but like for clicks, for clicks, five digits for attention, for notoriety, for the ability to be the headline, to be you know, advertising's worth for a lot. Five digits? I don't know. I I'm not saying anything's worth five digits, but I'm saying would people pay for it? You know, yeah. The, the, yeah, okay. But that's why okay. that's why something like the the National Enquirer is always in a very interesting spot. Should you pay for interviews? Should no, you be paying for interviews? No, yeah, no. But people do well. You, you, there's times when you could say if you're going to do it in such a way that's going to benefit you that you can pay for some of the accommodations around that saying, you know, I will help tr get you there for travel and whatnot because, you know, I'm I it you should not have to pay all that amount. But at the same time, you're not paying them a fee for doing it. That's not how it's supposed to be. I mean, so what's a the, the, we're getting way off. But so what's a shoot interview? then? A shoot interview is not journalism. A shoot interview is is a paid commercial transaction between two people. It's like asking them to put on a one-man show for you. It's an entertainment show. Yeah. I mean, it's it's just like if you booked me for an improv show and you charge me money. Yeah. I'm coming to hang out with you and you're paying me money to do it. And my job, I'm supposed to I'm supposed to entertain you during that time. And that's pretty much what I see a shoot interview as being. Yeah. You know, again, um, yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm not saying that people would pay $10,000 because it's worth $10,000. But I am saying that there are people out there who – spend an enormous amount of money on WrestleMania tickets and commemorative seats and a thousand and commemorative belts and other things. And you're not going to tell me the damning evidence for Roman Reigns would not be something that you'd put in your put in your trophy case. It's not something that I would No, but <laughs> I also don't think you're the type that's going to buy the ECW replica winged, you know, the or a winged eagle belt. Just wait until I show up in, in New Orleans with my replica belt. I have. Just I, I, you want to talk about Mookie's hot takes and get me on belts. All right. Let's. Uh, <laughs> anyway, that, that's our thought there. Uh, we got some feedback from some of our shows recently, and we want to thank people who have given us feedback. You can always give us feedback at WrestleNomics at gmail.com or, or 
tweeting us at WrestleMomics. Um, I'm at Mookie Ghana. Brandon is at Brandon Thurston. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, we got some good feedback here. And I think the first set of feedback was about um, we talked about Saudi Arabia. And, you know, again, I feel like this is a great example of kind of everyone just being willing to brush off what they don't understand, what they don't know about or they don't want to know about, which is, you know, there is a, in my opinion, an ethical quandary that goes into when a company begins to get closer and closer and closer in bed with um, kingdoms and countries that act undemocratically and have basically are using their money to buy influence or to buy silence in a certain way. And so WWE is gleefully going into Saudi Arabia and they're going to hold this greatest Royal Rumble event. We heard from Roman Reigns this week that he said it was going to be, quote, a huge network special in an interview he gave. So kind of implying that he had been at least in that he was inferring that it would be probably broadcast. And, you know, we got some really good um, feedback from was it Steve Rice? Yes. So Steve uh, tweeted us, and he, he said he enjoyed the show as ever, but he felt we went a little light on the on Saudi ruler Mohammed bin Salman. This guy is currently in the process of breaching the, the Geneva Conventions by starving a nation. Uh, BAE Systems, which is a it's the British it's a British British equivalent, kind of like Lockheed Martin. But uh, uh, it's it, it is a British multinational defense, security, and aerospace. Company. And they've been they've been indicted many times for. Basically being willing to do uh, – to bribe uh, uh, officials in the Middle East to sell them weapon systems and planes and like I – one of my my sub-passions is kind of like global terrorism, not not promoting it but like reading about it and studying it and corruption. And so like I have a really good book all about kind of BAE corruption. There's a good front line about it as well. Um, just kind of talking about the craziness of basically how they set up basically a slush fund for a bunch of monarchs to basically send their family and it was always being billed to BAE and as the British people found out they were outraged because basically it was just a slush fund for them as as corruption money. So that's that's been an issue in the past. So BAE has been told to kind of clean up their act over the years here. And like he says, so, BAE Systems has recently been forced. BAE Systems has recently been forced to withdraw from sponsoring an arts festival in the UK because of their relationship with the Saudi regime. And he says that W should not be treated with any less rigor by the press or indeed by their, their fans. Uh, many companies and corporations are questioned and pressured because of their dealings with totalitarian states. The Saudi regime is attempting to change how it is perceived while still oppressing its own people and the people of other nations. And W is happy to help them. And of course, um, the, the, this ruler, um, Mohammed bin Salman, who is he's the crown prince technically, um, but he uh, – he he made a lot of news this week, um, of course, by talking about because because Saudi Arabia and Iran are in all sorts of proxy wars right now, and so he, Saudi Arabia was infuriated with um, kind of the agreements with Iran around nuclear weapons in the past, and he's basically um, threatening again that you know Saudi Arabia would pursue nuclear technology if Iran did, and he's. Like we say, there's this Vision 2030 idea where they're basically saying we're going to spend a whole lot of money um, and try to build up all these other elements of our economy that are going to be different than uh, just oil money. Yet at the same time, uh, the corruption kind of purge that he executed was essentially imprisoning all these very powerful people and more or less forcing many of them to sign over their ownership in their companies 
or their rights as rulers, in fact, um, to to streamline this so he could, quote, make all these changes. So it's one of these kind of like, what is the bigger evil? Is it the the person who's, quote unquote, trying to revolutionize or modernize the country, but doing it through undemocratic, illegal and sometimes even torture and abuse or is it the, uh, the 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 country that is unwilling to change and you know allowing corruption to be endemic and uh, remaining as as a, a bad place to do business and as a a state that has in the past sponsored terrorists terrorism both directly and indirectly um, or what we will call terrorists and you know obviously and then been a, a pseudo a, a combination of both a a a actual civil state but then of course they have a Sharia law type imposed there. And so they talk about how difficult it is for businesses to even operate there because you're never sure which part of the government you're dealing with and if they're going to change their minds tomorrow. And, you know, there's even a Wall Street Journal article just a few months ago talking about how difficult it is to do business in Saudi Arabia, um, even though Donald Trump was just there signing all these deals. And so I tried to Google at one point, like uh, companies that work in Saudi Arabia, and I came across one of the oldest websites I've ever seen. Um, which was like from this, this like Saudi Arabian network thing, but it looked like it was from like 1996. At one point it mentioned like Ma Bell or Bell Atlantic or something as like one of the companies that was working with them. And I thought, I don't think they've been around for years. Was there marquee scrolling text? Almost. It was almost like before that it, it looks like, it looks like it could have come to me via gopher instead of, of like HTTP. Um, so I, I was just like looking up companies that have been working with them and, and it has been, you know, I think Steve is absolutely right. And I think this to me goes back to my feedback that there's a double standard when it comes to WWE journalism, where if the NFL was going to go play a game in Saudi Arabia, don't you think we would have outrage and people on the streets being like, this is not right. We shouldn't associate ourselves, even if politically we've made a choice to align ourselves with these people. Um, economically, we're emboldening their vision without actually requiring them to reform. And and we're being complicit. And when he talks about starving a nation, he's talking about um, – I'm assuming he's talking about Yemen and just basically how Saudi Arabia is is funneling the war in Yemen right now. And it's 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 causing just an absolutely decimated country to get even weaker and 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 people to suffer more. So I I I agree completely, and I think I did go easy on on Mohammed bin Salman. I I do feel like from a you know kind of the geopolitical or the real politics stance that you know others will take, you could say this country might evolve in the next five years here in ways that it's taken twenty five years for it to get to, but they are trampling on human rights to do that and you know you should not equivocate when it when it comes to things like that and that's why i think wwe taking their money is a big question mark and i do wish that more people kind of pointed the finger at them and said what makes you feel comfortable doing that and is it just because exxon exxon wants to do it that you think it's okay so this is the greatest royal rumble it's, it's i didn't realize how quickly this is coming this is happening on april 27th of yeah it's year. the end end of the month end of that month right after wrestlemania in Jeddah, saudi arabia which means we 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 will have had five of the most groundbreaking rumbles in a single year in, in not even a single year in four months you know two in january two at wrestlemania one ish at uh this event you know yeah history is being made so often it's it's like it's not even a big deal to make history anymore almost yeah um so that that was that yes yeah, yeah, so somebody should write about this <laughs> more people should write about it yes they should
So I'm, I'm a better podcaster than I'm a writer these days. So I like to kind of get it all out on my podcast. Well, here's what we'll do. We'll, uh, I'll upload this to YouTube and it'll automate a transcript and I'll just like copy and paste that. And maybe I'll edit a couple I'll, I'll, I'll fix the there and there issues and, and then I'll just <laughs> hit, hit publish. What was some of the other feedback we got this week? So last week we were talking about New Japan. I can't even re- now remember on what context, but we we made some uh, some uh, we had some talk about how whether or not whether or not New Japan was a publicly traded company. Our friend Chris Charlton reached out to us. And Chris Charlton, clarified. the 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 author of the book, what is it? Yes. Lion's Pride: History of New Japan. Lion's Pride. Is, he's coming out with a new, a new book on the Tokyo Dome. Yes, and and also I think, I think it's called Eggshells. Voices of Wrestling. Uh, one of their sub podcasts, much like we are Omakase. Omakase did a history of the Tokyo Dome where they had him on as a, a guest. And, um, yeah. you know, if you want to really enlighten yourself on, on Japanese wrestling, especially new Japan wrestling through both the, the good days and the dark days and the good days again, uh, listen to that show. That's the show I, um, am planning this weekend to spend some time really studying and, and going through. And I'm, I'm looking forward to it. So Chris Charlson, who I would say is a, a, uh, as good as an expert you're going to get on New Japan as anyone else, you know. I think he's he's one of these. He's he's not a talking head who's just making it up. He's a guy, and he's not just using uh, Google Translate to figure out what's yeah. what's what's happening here. This is a guy who actually yeah, understands he knows the language. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. So, what did he tell us about New Japan? So he said that you might you might see that Bushi Road is classified as public, which is you want you want to try to pronounce this. I don't know. Uh, Kabushiki Gaisha. And uh, and so is New Japan, in fact. So they're given that. So I'm gonna try to interpret this in, in, in a way that I understand it. They're they're, they're classified as a, as a public company, uh, Bushiroad is, and so is New Japan. But that doesn't mean that they're you can buy their stock or that it's publicly traded. Um, it means that they are subject to the strictest che- strictest checks and balances as a corporation. Uh, Kidani does want to do an IPO for New Japan in 2020. And New Japan did a lot of due diligence to try to go public in 2001, but that fell apart, Chris Charlton says. So, so that would be really interesting because if they did do an IPO, um, A, we would have you know all the wrestling people trying to figure out what is the value of an IPO of New Japan. B, would presumably, uh, especially if they wanted to trade on, on you know kind of U.S. index or U.S. Um, amounts, I, I would assume we would actually do the IPO in Japan. I don't think they would do do it in america but um i would assume we would get some more reporting then and that would be really interesting uh I'd, we'll be google translating the uh, the equivalent of sec documents in a few years i think well you know it might also be published in english i i wouldn't be surprised yeah. if some of it is in english there so that would be really exciting if they did that and um all i can think back is you know it sounds like a big deal do an ipo but i can think of all these um mma organizations that did ipos in the 90s and the 2000s and i remember the one that the day after UFC got a big story on 60 Minutes, they did their IPO. And the IPO then like shot to 10x what it was and then crashed immediately afterwards because everybody thought that was UFC. It was it was one of my absolute favorite like screw ups of like it's kind of like it was like Bitcoin mania, but with MMA, where basically it was it had nothing to do with UFC. But this company figured out that their IPO was the next day. And so everybody saw this headlines about like MMA and then they just assumed it was a UFC-related IPO. And uh, I wish I could I, – I, I will try to see if I can find the name of the company and maybe try to find the stock chart from then because um, it was one of my favorite things. And it was something I think I even covered back on my old, 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 old podcast like more than a decade ago on, on Indeed Wrestling Weekly of just like that was one of my favorite like misnomer, miss, miss shots. I just want to say it might have been around the same time that Buffalo Wild Wings did an IPO. So maybe that will help me find, 
trigger it a little bit better. I was working in money management at the time, so that's why I was tracking some of the stuff much closer. But it will be intriguing to see if there's any other kind of weird IPO stuff that happens um, around New Japan. And also, I, I, you know, obviously it's it's um, you got to do a lot of disclosure when you want to do that sort of thing. So it'll be intriguing to see. I don't know if Japanese disclosure is similar to uh, U.S. disclosure when it comes to that, but uh, it will be very intriguing. So, yeah, th- thank you, uh, Chris, for that that clarification. And obviously, we we still have a lot more to learn about what we can do to track New Japan data and economics. And you know, someone complained the other one time that this show was just like two guys reading a balance sheet. Well, you know, soon hopefully we get to read some Japanese balance sheets too. Yes, I'm looking forward. Speaking to of Japanese balance sheets, uh, J- Chris Jericho versus Kenny Omega was supposedly the highest rated uh, match ever shown on Axis. Is that correct? Chris Jericho is, is that the author of Nose of Warlord Word? That is the author of the book that came in like fifth place for uh, best book of the year. Which uh, uh, I, I oh more on that in the Patreon. Yeah, show. yeah, I'll get into the Wrestling Observer Awards a little bit more there. But um, yeah, what was what was this quote? Uh, this, this is the Access TV CEO saying that you know they're a private company, so they don't publish their uh, their viewership data, but that. The Omega and Jericho match from Wrestle Kingdom 12 when they aired it on Access TV was the highest rated New Japan match that they've aired so far. And wasn't there even a little bit more he said when they were talking about, okay, um, you know, Access TV is owned by Mark Cuban. Mm-hmm. What, you know, you, you show New Japan, you're basically the conduit for a lot of New Japan um, consumption in America, which true or false, that it's one of the biggest avenues for them for sure. Um, and, uh, would, would that relationship get closer? Weren't they asked about that as well? Yeah. They, they asked if Mark Cuban, who's, you know, the tech billionaire and the owner of the Dallas Mavericks, whether he'd be interested in investing in, in new Japan in, in some way, because he does own access TV and, uh, Simon, is Simon Andrew the, Simon, the, the, the access TV fight CEO. So Andrew Simon's his name. Andrew Simon didn't say no. The article says, quote, would depend on the deal, he said. So this is a um, an article by uh, Mark uh, Raimondi, Raimondi. At, over at Cage Side Seats, um, which is where we're getting this in. And if you're ever curious, you can always sign up for the patron show, $5 a month. And one thing that's great about that is that you get a copy of all our notes for the show. So you can actually see all the source material we're referring to, all the links we have. So uh, that's another way you can find the link to this article. But Mark, thank you very much for writing this piece here. Um, but yeah, he, he told cage eyed seats this whole story here saying that he had a tremendous success with you know wrestle kingdom 12 over wrestle kingdom 11 and that it was a big deal that um they you know that they this chris jericho kenny omega thing worked and uh that's a little bit of why i'm i'm always surprised that you know we're still not sure whether chris jericho is coming back to new japan or not he obviously set up that angle he's not he's he put a tweet out and some someone asked him on twitter in a reply uh, are you all done with new japan then and I think he quote tweeted and said, unfortunately, yes. And, and you know, I think everybody's done till they're not. That's like being retired in wrestling, right? So it's, yeah, it's, yeah. But, but they did build up the – he shot an angle for a Naito match that's apparently not going to happen. Well, not going to ha- A lot of people thought that was going to happen on, uh, on the Long Beach show in the 20s. Not going to happen yet, right? So Yeah, you, not going to happen you, you and I had talked about it too. Same idea. If, you, if you're going to sell out the building in 15 minutes without having to announce that show, do you need to announce that match? Is that match even worth it? And plus – I, I do think that but, – But weren't some of those tickets, don't you think, bought partly on the momentum of oh, we're probably going to see Jericho versus Naito yep. here? Yep. But at the same time, if I'm Chris Jericho, I'm very careful about not wrestling on North America. 
against WWE. I, I think I think you uh, as Chris Jericho, no matter what he says, I think it helps you a lot to be like, I'm doing that in Japan. I'm doing that in Europe. I'm not. If you want to have a good relationship with WWE. Exactly. And I think he does because, you know, considering he showed up yeah. at the Raw 25, right? He uh, has his crews to push. And if you ever watch ROH television, you'll see ads for it. The Rock and Rager that he trademarked. Um, but I, I do think he he knows his bread is buttered at WWE. And while he can make a big deal in New Japan, it also sounded like it was incredibly expensive. You know, he even talked about that on, on some of those Wrestling Observer radio um, uh, uh, interviews where he talked about, you know, them having to fly to the U.S. and really hammer out this deal. And it was not easy. Um, and and to be honest, I don't think he needs to be on this Long Beach show. I really don't. I really think they people want to see as much of the authentic New Japan experience as they can. And I think you can get enough of that without a Chris Jericho interlude. Yeah. And, and I agree. It would have been a great promo. But I think that's part of like, you know, Ghetto's smartness is that he sets this stuff up and he doesn't have to deliver on it to the point that it's going to be a failure for their storyline for the year. You know, if they promised us a match, that's one thing. Oh, yeah. Here, they just set up that, hey, if he wants to come back, he's got to come back. So, wait a minute. New Japan can't just uh, do a deal over, like, Skype and Google Docs? No, no, they, we'll they have, have to, to fly uh, in straight. We'll have to give them, yeah. we'll have to give them some training. Well, I was going to say, or you're going to have to start asking for more. So, if you've been negotiating with Ghetto through a Google Doc, you've probably not been negotiating with Ghetto. It's probably been a long con by some improviser. Yeah. Sorry to say that. Maybe John is it, then John Bravo might be involved anyway. <laughs> so that was um yeah, I thought that was interesting. That, you know, it, it just goes to show you that even with um it both a work rate question, right? That it was a good match, it was a long match, and it worked really well. But also the flip side of it being, you know, you had stars that were not Japanese in that and you know that helped them as well because there's a lot of pub going into it so i think access and people know who jericho is jericho's a yep, star that's a great point yeah. um our very last subject on our free show here mm-hmm. and again we're gonna have a bonus show we're gonna get in deeper on a lot of good stuff including you know ticket sales for wrestlemania trademark gazette political donations and those awards we talked about and other streaming services but um where can, where can they go to hear that? They can go to patreon.com slash russellnomics. And when you're there, you sign up for $5 a month. You get a custom RSS feed that will give you access to all the bonus content. So you can just load that into your player just like everything else. We looked at the statistics today, and almost 50% of our people use Apple Podcasts. And almost 50% of our people don't use Apple Podcasts. So whatever your podcast player of choice is. Um, but, uh, the very last story I want to talk about was a very interesting one. Again, kind of, uh, what I would consider the nexus of what a WrestleNomic story is, which is where wrestling legal and business concerns all meet. Right. And it was about this Lucha FMV LLC, which is the, the parent company for Lucha Underground. And they sent a, um, a legal threat over spoilers. That's the, the way that Ryan Satin put it. And uh, it was sent by a guy named Paul D. Sputnik uh, from Beverly Hills, California, attorney at law. Mr. Satin, this office represents Lucha Libre FMV LLC, the owners of Lucha Underground. It has come to our attention you have published an article or a blog on February 24th, 2018, related to unpublished episodes of the fourth season. Um, Each person that enters the arena where Lucha Underground episodes are taped are required to sign a confidentiality and non-disclosure agreement wherein they they agree not to disclose confidential 
information by any means, including without limitation via the internet and social media, prior to the initial broadcast of the episode. To the extent that the confidential information relates to a producer's production methods and or trade secrets, trade secrets being a very important part of this, side comment, um, the audience member's confidential obligation shall in- continue indefinitely. Your publication violates those terms of the NDA non-disclosure agreement uh specifically the actions you have taken whether or not you've received this information yourself personally at the arena or if you provided this information by another individual or individuals who attended the events violates in express terms that agreement and further violates the trade secrets laws of california as well as federal trade secret laws in addition to the breach of the foregoing agreement the dissemination of such information appears to be a, a violation of the trade secret laws of the state of california as well as federal trade secret law Under California trade secret law, a claim of trade secret misappropriation may be subject to damages, unjust enrichment, injunction relief, injunctive relief, attorney's fees, and in appropriate circumstances, explanatory damages, not exemplary, exemplary damages, not exceeding double the award of the actual damages or unjust enrichment with respect, respect to the federal defend trade. Oh, wow. It's the second page. Keep going. Both the actions using the program with the appropriate material and inquiring information from the vi- the event violates the terms of the use granted. My client's materials are trade secrets, and as trade secrets include all forms of proprietary information, which the owner has taken reasonable measures to keep the information secret. Those measures include procedures limiting the manner in which the information during the event can be disclosed. The information derives independent economic value, actual or potential, not no, not being generally known to and not readily assertable. Through the proper means by another person who can obtain economic value from the disclosure of the information prior to the regularly scheduled broadcast to the public. We demand you immediately cease publication of the blog and any future blog article which violates the foregoing agreement. Keep in mind that even if you were not at the event, your disclosure of even this knowledge or the proprietary confidential nature of the material prior to the public podcast subjects you to liability. Further, we demand that you disclose to us, one, whether you have attended Lucha Underground events. Two, if so, when? Three, if you did not attend those events to obtain the information which you released, identify the individual individuals from which you obtained such information. We ask that Give you, us your sources. We ask that you cooperate with us to minimize your exposure. Nevertheless, this letter is written without prejudice to any and all rights, remedies, none of which are waived and all of which are expressly reserved. And um, Ryan replied, dear Mr. Very Sputnik. Truly yours, yes. I received your letter and I'm writing to inform you that I do not intend to cease publication of the blog post which you're contacting me about. I do not intend to cease publication of future articles about things that happen at Lucha Underground. This is mainly due to the U.S. Constitution and my rights as a reporter. However, (laughs) if you need further reasoning beyond this should help. Number one, I did not attend any of the tapings in question. I did not sign an NDA. Therefore, as you know, I am not bound to the terms of the contracts and did not breach the agreement. In addition, as a reporter, I'm not obligated to reveal my sources as defined in the First Amendment. And I find it shocking that a wrestling company you represent is attempting to silence a news reporter who reported on newsworthy things that happened at one of your events. I never once misrepresented myself to anyone. and I definitely didn't obtain information by theft, bribery, or improper means. I also did not obtain the information from someone who used a proper means to acquire the knowledge. This means California Trade Secrets Act would not apply to the situation. Furthermore, not all confidential information is considered a trade secret. I'm very aware that AAA slash Lucha Libre FMW have a history of sending legal letters to scare – FMV. um, uh, Have a history of sending legal letters to scare talent slash promoters into doing what they say, dot, dot, dot. But in this scenario – I feel like you're grossly misinterpreting the act you're citing as well as the situation itself and how the First Amendment works. Best, Ryan Satin. So um, 
he clearly got at least a little legal advice here, uh, uh, it, it, especially when he mentions here, I did not use, quote, um, theft, bribery or improper means, because clearly that must be part of the act that, you know, if you obtain the information using those that your your credentials as a reporter would not count, which, again, goes to the idea of we you're asking, can you can you be pay Can you pay a source? No, because it, essentially that could be considered bribery for them to especially. I mean, you can, but you shouldn't. Well, you, you in some cases you can't. I mean, in some cases that would be considered bribery, and you're not allowed to do that. Um, you shouldn't. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but um, you know, I, I showed this to my wife, who um, as I've, I've noted, she has a JD. She has not passed the bar, so she is not a lawyer, but she is a uh, she is someone who has finished law school. And it's interesting that trade secrets come up because that is one of the areas that she focused on at, in her last year of law was about IP law and especially around trade secrets and organizing a trade secret conference. So. Um, she was very intrigued by this uh, as it, as it kind of hit you know the two areas that she spent a lot of time thinking about, which is both IP uh, as it relates to professional wrestling and trade secrets and, and other things. And um, you know she mentioned, A, it's much easier for them to go after people based in California because they're trying to use California Trade Secrets Act. Otherwise, they'd have to raise it to a federal level, level um, to go after, say, someone in a different state. But yeah. – they do mention federal trade law. So in theory, that is covered, but it would be much harder because you would have to actually prosecute it. Um, it is, you know, the, the 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 real reality is that for the most part, Lucha Libre, FM, F, M, F, what is it? FVW. F, FMV. FMV. What does it stand for? I have no idea. Full motion video <laughs> is what I think of. Uh, FMV LLC. Uh, what, what's interesting about it is that they've basically structured so many things as if they are a television company, right? When we think about the way that they structured the contracts with the wrestlers, everything, it's been much more like a, a TV company than it has been like a wrestling company. And in TV, there is a long history of using kind of non-disclosure agreements because, of course, if you're taping a reality show, you don't want the results of that reality show to come out in advance, and there's an argument to be made that you lose the value of that show if those results come out. If you know who wins The Bachelor or if you know who wins Survivor, that's going to hurt you. Plus, we know there's people that bet on that stuff. So that even has another element to it. But we know that. But for the most part, those have been used more for um, the, the participants on the show and the crew of the show. The audience who is not right. being paid. Like, the, the, like those go. reality shows, like there's like Survivor, right? Like there's no live audience there. There's not really usually a live audience in any way of those sort of things. So, I mean, there are, of course, like, you know, events that happen. Like if you're watching Top Chef or, or uh, uh, Project Runway or something where sometimes there's a public element of an event. And I'm sure you do – you could in theory get those results. And I don't think that they would be news embargoed in any way to say, oh, well, you know, they went to – they went Colorado to cook off and so-and-so won. Well, you know what? Everybody was there. Unless those people were told they could not report on it in any way, I, I would have a hard time believing that they, they're being stopped from talking about that. However, um, you know, if you notice, then whenever they do the actual who wins this thing is they go into the other room and they show it and it's, you know, it's a closed set environment. It's no longer outside when they're making those announcements. Um, mm-hmm. I am curious about – you know what? One thing that my wife was talking about is is it would be hard to understand what exactly were the trade secrets that were being revealed in the tapings, because spoilers and trade secrets are not the same thing. Saying that you know I know about you know what happens in this wrestling match, is that really a trade secret? 
or is that, you know, if you were to say, oh, you set up, I don't know, if you did some kind of innovative technology that you're, you know, you, you're actually trying to protect, that's different. You know, if, if you had people wrestling 3D models in, in real time with, you know, special technology, maybe that would be different. But here you could argue it's just. The dictionary says that a trade secret is a secret device or technique used by a company in manufacturing its products. Yeah. And, and, and the, the trade secret act is, is more general than that nowadays because, of course, we have to deal with a lot of intellectual property, especially in California, where, you know, it's programs, right? And they argue about what is IP because it, it, it was originally thought much more as, you know, manufacturing, like you said there, and now it's been generalized in a lot of ways into kind of an information technology sense. But it, it is kind of funny because, no, I don't know if any judge would actually take a, take this up or, or jury that wouldn't laugh them out. Now, on the flip side, there's this element of saying if you continue to ignore that people are violating their NDAs, do you ever get yourself in a situation where you can't go after somebody else because you didn't go after these other people? And I raised that question and I was basically told, no, that shouldn't be a concern. Is that no? This you don't have to go after every person who publishes spoilers in order for you to protect yourself against you know the person who actually tweets out the spoilers and was there live inside the NDA themselves. So I, I'm to put it simply, I'm not a hundred percent sure why they're doing this. Um, beyond just uh, from a television standpoint, this is what you would do to scare people, and also there's an interesting argument about damages. So. Do shows get hurt if we spoil the results of the wrestling anymore? Uh, net? Hard to say, right? Not, not really. Like I, the I Omega Jericho, we know how that ended, and yet didn't they just say it did the best ratings of all on Axis? Right. And I, and I, I know there's a talking point of like, hey, back in the day when Raw was taped in live every other week, the tape shows actually did a little bit better than live shows. So basically... The, the moral of that story is there was no difference between taped and live. Now, granted, that was the late 90s and early And I, I studied it when they went to Europe. what it is today. I studied it when they yeah. went to Europe, and I found it took about a tenth of a rating point off. So, but... Uh, so is, is that even a significant exactly, difference? Exactly. That, that would be my point, is that it, also from an economic standpoint, do you actually make less money if you're a tenth of a rating point off? No, because you're, you're, your sponsorship money is sponsorship money. It's the renegotiations that it hurts you on, right? Um, you, you, and I would even argue that what's interesting is that when we heard about what a big deal, like when Rey Mysterio was going to be on Lucha Underground, they started to do better ratings on Lucha Underground that season, right? Like when Ultimate right. Lucha was a big deal, they they actually had like a huge event. I mean, I understand there are fans like say if you if you're an, an avid Lucha Underground viewer and you want to go unspoiled, uh, it takes some of the value away for for you as a viewer if you accidentally read spoilers or something. Well, and also they could argue that, um, you know, the stars that they're using, if if you know who they are, then either it, it will be less effective, I guess, in some way. So I don't think that Lucha Underground spoilers hurt Lucha Underground, but I understand that people want to avoid them. And we, as when we create wrestling media, we can help people avoid them and give them warnings about it. And, and he's, I think he's trying to say that he's that Ryan Satin and the, the pro wrestling sheet is benefiting economically by publishing his spoilers. I think is their argument is, you know, you're getting ad money from people clicking on my article about my secrets and therefore you're being enriched and I'm being deprived and therefore I should be able to get damages. 
it's it's but like I say, I think it's a stretch. I don't think I don't think they're I don't think they have anything to fear. They certainly have a lot of protections um, as long as there's no payments that they made to try to induce people to, quote unquote, violate their agreements. Um, It'll be very interesting to see, you know, if it goes anywhere, if they continue to go after California based people or people all over the U.S. So I I would uh, recommend any of our legal legal beagles out there uh, that know more about this subject on trade secrets specifically who want to a way in and from more the trade secret side of things more than just the you know reporters having rights or not having rights um from the idea of television and trade secrets that's what i think is the real story here yeah and, and i think the weird thing is like this this is where progressing not quite being live sports or not quite being sports and not quite being scripted tv it gets into this into this weird jam and into the weird jams like this where like TV company is trying to treat treat like it's scripted TV, but it's not quite scripted TV. It's this weird hybrid, this rare hybrid of well, I think, scripted yeah. TV and, and live sports. I think the reality show analogy is probably going to be the easiest one. Or, or, you know, there's been some sitcoms that have taped big finales and then actually taped more than one big finale just for the purposes of swerving people. Cheers famously did that. Mm-hmm. You know, all right. Uh, this has been WrestleNomics Radio. I'm your co-host Christopher Mukigana Harrington, joined by Mr. Brandon Howard Thurston III. Uh, we are here every single week talking the news and economic views of the wrestling media world that we exist in. We are also supported by you through our Patreon, p r t r e o n dot com slash WrestleNomics. Five dollars a month gets you the bonus audio, plus gets you access to all the notes and details of the things that we looked at today. We're gonna have a great show coming up after this. Some additional bonus content. Uh, which is just going to blow you away to think, how can these two guys talk to each other this long every week and not just lose their heads? And the answer is we can't. We, we get closer and closer every, every I know. Week. But I, I want to do like a, a a close that's like uh, like it's like it's the end of a PBS show. Can we do that? Like, uh, For f- and and listener and listeners like you, the the Sears Roebuck, <laughs> where we just name our different sponsors of of who has helped us. I did watch uh, the the Mr. Rogers special. I like you. Um, I've heard PBS about it. I haven't seen week. it. Yeah, though. it's it's in, interesting. It's a little weird because they decided to like grab celebrities to try to talk about it, and so they have Michael Keaton, which you expect to have Michael Keaton because yeah. he was a he worked on the show. But then you have Sarah Silverman, Judd Apatow, and um, at least one other person, and they're basically just commenting on how much they like Mr. Rogers and watching the clips. Right. But it's they, they probably never met. But him. it's yeah, it's a weird sort of thing where Sarah Silverman's like, just look at him there. Look how he is and just kind of talking about it and so it's it's intriguing it's fun but it's also oh and they also have um oh gosh i can't think of her name she won a she won a a grammy or, or um spalding uh like uh she's like a basketball no 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 she's a she's a a, a, a music like a classical a jazz musician uh jazz musician who am i think of <laughs> as as Esperanza Spalding is who I'm trying. Esperanza Spalding, who's the bassist, who's a, a who very famously won won a bunch of Grammys, and uh, she she talks also on it too about seeing you know um, some really famous musicians performing, and including Yo-Yo Ma and and uh, others, and just like the influence that had on her. And it's actually really funny. Yo-Yo Ma's son is on it. And he's really entertaining because he's like, the only two times in my life I ever performed with my father was on Mr. Rogers' show. <laughs> and he's like, it's a great memory for me. He's like, it's, it's the best thing in the world. So, yeah, it's very intriguing. So, yeah, it's good. It's a good time. So it's a good thing to watch. But yes, it was interrupted by a lot of pledge drive. 
Oh, was it? Yes, it was. It was almost unwatchable at times because it was like they'd get halfway through a segment and then suddenly it was a pledge drive. So you got to watch it on the PBS app, which I, I, I might do. That's a good idea. That is a very good idea. All right. Well, that's the end of WrestleNomics this week. If you have any feedback, email us at WrestleNomics at gmail.com or check out at WrestleNomics on Twitter. Have we told everybody what we're going to talk about on the Patreon? Plug it one more time. Um, WN and WrestleCon ticket sales. We're going to go over. I did some research last night, cramming for this exam. Mookie's Trademark Gazette, which I have a feeling is going to be a recurring segment. It's the new name of it. Linda McMahon donated millions and millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars to political candidates and political causes. We're going to talk about that. Wrestling Observer Awards, if you care. Uh, and some new streaming services. Yeah. Patreon.com slash WrestleNomics, $5 a month. That's all. We'll see you later. Bye. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.